Welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. I'm Jay Late Night Larson. And I'm Lyndon Chalky Cabellion. In each episode, we will be talking to different surfers and surf shops to learn more about them and their passion for surfing. We will be diving deep into their experiences as well as their involvement and contributions to their local communities. Be sure to check out our website and Instagram feed for updates on future shows. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to sharing these great stories with you. Pada Sushi, a new sushi place here at the Albertsons in Newland Center. Your go-to spot for grab-and-go sushi, handmade, fresh daily. You can get all your favorites or get something custom. And make sure to stop by on Fridays for the $5 special. Pada Sushi. At Albertsons in the Newland Center off of Beach and Adams. Fuax. The wax that's found under all of the best surfers on the planet. You mean late night? Always under my feet. And Chalky? How do you think I pull those big airs? And layback Lars. And those laybacks. Wait, whoa, whoa, we're not doing the 90s again, are we? I don't do those anymore. Foo Wax, the best wax in the game. Foo Wax. Bonsai balls! They only use real Asahi, not like all those other imitators using sorbet full of sugar. Yuck! They also get their honey from a and bee pollen from a bee farm. Healthy and delicious. No processed honey. What also makes them amazing is that they roast and make their own peanut butter. Damn! They've got seven locations. And download the Bonsai Bowl app to skip the line. Skip the line. Order ahead. Bonsai Bowl, healthy, delicious. Caliente Southwest Grill. Healthy Mexican food featuring local organic ingredients. They also have great salads, vegetarian and gluten-free options. Wow. Yep. Don't they also cater and make party packs? They do. They have all your needs for all your events. Nice. Visit calientesouthwest.com. Or go to the restaurant in Costa Mesa off of 17th Street. Caliente Southwest. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Crafted in San Diego. It's an adult beverage built for all walks of life. Bro, you've had it. I've had it. It's delicious. It is so good. It's refreshing. Only 100 calories, all organic, no sugar, also gluten-free with 0.0 carbs. Hashtag enjoy cold Ashland hard salsa. There is a saying that you don't stop playing when you grow old, but rather you grow old when you stop playing. Iconic life is an adventure-driven company that seeks to embrace life to the fullest and to never stop playing. Check out their natural hemp CBD products that help those that believe in that philosophy. Check out Iconic.com. Spelled I-K-A-N-I-K. Again, Iconic.com. Or on their Instagram at Iconic Life. Friends and family. Brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. <laughs> gotta throw that out. We got an awesome guest, local boy, LB, right? Long yeah, Beach? Yes, yeah. Born and raised. Yes. Hell yeah, Long Beach. Yeah. Pro <laughs> skateboarder. Yes, for a time, yes. Ripper surfer. Thank you. And a film, photography. Um, he's managed killer brands like, you know, I guess marketing and yeah. brand manager yeah. for Insight and Riviera Skateboards. Yeah. Um, 
became an incredible fisherman along the way at some point. But best of all, music creator over here (laughs) for the Late Night with Chalky soundtrack. Yes. Thank you very much, Justin Reynolds. Justin motherfucking Reynolds. What's your, any nicknames? Uh, I mean, J-Lord. J-Lord. I like J-Lord. They call me J-Lord or J-Bass. I'm J-Lar. Yeah, J-Lar. J-Lord or J-Bass? J-Bass or J-Lord. Bass for fish? Or, okay. Like my fishing buddies call me J-Bass. And then my skate buddies call me J-Lord. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, That's thank fucking you. awesome. Well, thank you for... Those are two good yeah. nicknames. Yeah. J-Lord and J-Bass. J-Lord's pretty funny. Yeah. That's better than J-Lar. Let me just tell you that. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for, um, I mean, creating some, some cool soundtracks for us to choose from. We're really psyched on what we have right now. and looking, Yeah. Looking well, forward to many more. Every, every time I hear that tune i'm just like wow that's fucking kind of fits us perfectly yeah it's it's rootsy it's surfy it's like yeah it's kind of sophisticated it's independently produced on a phone yeah you know yeah yeah no it's cool but we you know thanks for supporting us and yeah and i'll have you know he's half filipino yeah oh Hapa. he's not he's half he's not as cool as a full filipino i'm only hot but he's half Filipino, which makes him way better than most people. I'll, I'll run with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good with that. I'll let you guys, you know, share that moment. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but dude, uh, we've been wanting to have uh, have you on the show for fuck since the beginning because you know we wanted uh, everyone to know where the music comes from. But you know, finally, your busy schedule lets you uh, free a little bit today. Yeah, I mean. I don't know if it's really busy. I'm, I keep myself busy, but like I don't know that most people would consider what I consider busy truly busy. Yeah, I, I kind of just fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's know? start that's, at the beginning, J Lord. The beginning good, of my fuck offery. That's yeah. a good. That's a good place to be. So, yeah. would you? Of course. Did you start surfing first or uh, skateboarding first? Surfing. Surfing first. Yeah, surfing wow. first. Yeah. Okay. Surfing first. That I remember. <clears throat> uh, my dad is a surfer. He grew up, my, my whole family, my mom's side and my, my uh, biological father's side, they're all from Wilmington. Wilmington. Wilmington, we must. So his dad, my poppy, and um, you know, that side of the family, they all worked in the refineries over there, mm. like Carson and, yep. uh, off the 405 over there. Yeah. And my dad was a surfer. And when he met my mom, all my uncles, my uncle Butch, my uncle Benji, my uncle Benny, they were all surfers as well. So all Filipino surfers. All Filipino surfers from Wilmington. They all went to Banning High. Um, my dad was uh, he was a surfer, but he kind of he was a bit of a ruffian too. <laughs> he was a bit of a ruffian. He's got a rough edge to him. But so that's my uncle Butch, my oldest uncle, and my dad got me into surfing and like the first wave that I remember actually standing up on it by my, my dad and my uncle say it was the first wave they ever pushed me into. I got up first try. How old were you? Uh, I was probably five. Wow. Okay. Five. And it was at uh Pollywog park at El Porto. Nice. Wow. In the South Bay. Like I remember it vividly. My dad, you know, my mom and my dad were split up when I was super young, but when my dad had me, that's all we fucking did. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. To me, I always tripped out like, damn, how does my dad know where he is? Like, this fool is always in these weird back streets and we're always cruising these trippy routes and then we just end up at a beach, you know? <laughs> but he surfed a lot of like above Malibu, County Line, Leo Carrillo, all through that Malibu zone. So he knew where like the good waves are, oh, was on it, followed swells. My and... dad has history in the South Bay. Nice. Like he had a bay pass and, you know, Lenata, you know, and, and Lenata all, Bay. All through PV and Pedro, my dad was a, we'll say that he provided a service to a lot of people back then. <laughs> yeah. That was what my dad did. Okay. So, so he had a pass. He had a pass. And so okay. all my uncles did too. So yeah. surfing, I kind of got a, a, huh. a unique perspective when I was young from the kind of, a, I wouldn't say enforcer side, but like. Yeah the kind of gnarlier side of, yeah. of localism. Yeah. You know? Well, th- times were different back there, but totally. I mean, I mean, I think all surfers were pretty rugged and a little bit outcast, you yeah, know, back sure, then. Yeah. Outlaw. For you. Outlaw. Outlaw, you know. And, <clears throat> you know, it's... So it, we're talking like... Yeah. You know, not to totally throw it out there. Yeah, no, he was a f- fucking criminal. Yeah. yeah. Straight up. Straight drug, up. Drug runner, strange, whatever. Straight up. <laughs> yeah. Straight but, up. I'll tell well, I won't say where, but there was a restaurant that we used to go to in the South Bay all the time for seafood. And that was like our deal. And then one day I got old enough to realize like, I wonder why we always stop in the kitchens of all these fucking rad restaurants and yeah. are like saying what's up to all the chefs and like getting the king crab legs and the whole deal. Yeah. Little like, barter, like hey my dad was, for sure. was the guy. I'm gonna wow. eat, I'm gonna eat well. Yeah, greenbacks are good, but yeah, yeah, lobsters, lobster, crabs, crab. Let's I'm do all this. about bartering, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so and you can imagine how yeah. that was. You know, I'm forty. I'm forty three. I'm forty three. So that was like really early eighties. Yeah, when that was like you know. Yeah, things but were, things were uppers were big. You know, but he was a good dad. Like for the most, treated you well. Like I mean, dude, you know what? My dad has like always been my hero. He would never think that. Yeah, but he's just he's kind of a um, he's like a rough around the edges dude and like really stayed low key but I kind of modeled myself around him in the sense that like, he got along with everybody yeah everywhere we went my dad knew somebody and my wife says that now like everywhere I go it's like oh cool you know another dude yeah, yeah. I think that's all, all of us it's all yeah. of us and it's the nature of how we operate right yeah. we're like such social and tribal people yeah that we have those deep tribal connections well, this is our connection surfing you yeah. know yeah. and we talk about it all the time we got to have your dad on the podcast. <laughs> the, the, Live from Texas. The, Gene Reynolds. The web, the, the web of life, you know, yeah. has many different crossings and paths or whatever. And surfing, 
it, it, yeah, it's very deep rooted and ha- you know, there's a lot of similarities in everybody's stories. You yeah. know? Your, it, your story just got that much more interesting. It's pretty <laughs> fucking amazing. It's, t- it's a trip, man. Honestly, you know, and like now. Gene Reynolds is your dad's Gene, name? Gino, yeah. Okay. And he so, moved to Texas? Yeah, he lives out in the middle of Nowheresville, Texas. Low key. Yeah. Keep he, him low key. Well, you know what? He was, in, <clears throat> he was in a portion of, he was in a part of Colorado and was in a motorcycle club. Mm. So he was okay. in a motorcycle club, and then they moved to Texas. Got and so it. Him and his uh, wife, Nancy. Now they live out in the middle of Nowheresville, Texas, and he's chilling. He's chilling. You know, I don't think his health is where he wants it to be. You know, so um, he's doing his thing and trying to live the best. Nice. So he yeah. he got you surfing around five with your uncle. Yeah, with Uncle Butch. Yeah. <clears throat> where where was South Bay kind of the go-to spot back then? Yeah, he, he was living around that, that zone. You know, we'd either like cruise Pedro or through PV or all through South Bay, you know. A yeah. lot of El Porto for me once I actually did start surfing. And, you know, once he got me into surfing, it's not like I was with... I, I really... I didn't spend very much time with him, but when I did spend time with him... I'm sorry if, if that's quiet. Um, no, when I did spend time with him, that's what we did. Yeah. And that was kind of the zone. You know, there were like the first time I ever surfed churches, the first time I ever surfed lower trestles, yeah. the first time I ever went to a surf contest, the CBSA at Seaside Reef. These were all things that I did with my dad. Wow. That's freaking, yeah. that's pretty amazing. So did your dad, so your mom and dad divorced when you were? Like one. Okay. Yeah. And she lived where? And so my mom, my mom was in the South Bay where she was in Hermosa. <laughs> and then, okay. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> Snugs. <laughs> uh, yeah, she, she was yeah right. That's part of it. Um, she was in Hermosa with my soon at that time soon to become stepfather. Okay, um, and so we lived in Hermosa. I believe on like Nineteenth Ave or something, just right above the hill, above the Strand. And um, eventually, after they got married, shortly thereafter that, then we we moved to Long Beach. But I was born in Long Beach Memorial, and I consider myself a Long Beach native because. Yeah. Before that, I don't feel like I had a home. Like, I don't really have memories of a place that felt like home. I remember living places, but Long Beach was my first home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Um, so you started early, five years old, surfing with your yeah. dad. That's yeah. pretty pretty awesome. And your dad was a full-on surfer. My dad was a And his brother and... Well, no, his brother-in-law, my mom's brother, Butch. Okay. So this was, this was his brother-in-law. Oh. They were homies. Butch is your... Butch is my, my mom's, mom's brother. Dad. Okay. My mom's brother, yeah. Okay. So Butch, Benji, and Benny were my mom's brothers. And when my dad met my mom, he teamed up with her brothers and brought them in the fold. Mm. And we're, that was like, you know, that's who I surfed with when I started. It was my, mostly my Uncle Butch and my dad. And I think it's just because they were both stoners. Yeah. You know? That's kind of cool, though, that... No, uh, sick. You know, your uncle and your dad were, were, were best friends, and, even and though your still, mom and dad... They're still tight. I don't think they speak very often, but I, they're still like... It would be like they sat down right here and it'd be like being boys. You know? yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, so when did skateboarding come into play? My so my stepdad, his name is Eurus. 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 E U R U S. That's a, uh, it's Greek for God of the East Wind. <laughs> and he's a white dude from Augusta, Georgia. So I mean, go figure. But his name is Eurus. Eurus Katie, and uh, he's got an insane story too. But anyways, he got me. I believe my first skateboard. It was a. Uh, a red plastic Veriflex like banana style board with a little kick tail. And that was literally probably just shortly after I started surfing too, like five, six, yeah. you know, really early. 
<clears throat> yeah. So, but surfing for sure came first. Those are my earliest memories of, of, of that. And then definitely skateboarding was just right after that. Cool. Yeah. They go hand in hand. I think every yeah. kid at our, our age, you know, was like, bikes are cool to get from A to B, but like skateboarding was what you wanted to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you didn't have to travel long distance, like you're on a skateboard doing fucking whatever. Yeah. yeah. You're surf skating. You're surf skating. Right. You're on the sidewalk thrashing the grass. Yeah. Doing all the slashes. Way, dirt, yeah. Little dirt, little corners. All of like, us look, for sure had the tree stump that became the like floater section, right? Yeah. Or the yeah. driveway or the curb. Yeah, the cutback, the yeah. air section. Yeah. All that stuff. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, I mean that that was it. But it's yeah. crazy. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but you know, like decades later, I feel like there was really only a few guys that actually were professional skateboarders that actually had roots in surfing. Yeah, and now it's kind of come full circle. I won't jump into too far ahead. No, but yeah, like, you're you're right. There's you know? a, there's a lot, and I think ha- has a lot, you know, without jumping ahead, is you know, second generation like dads. Yes, that surfed and skate that yeah. really influenced their passed yeah. it their, passed it down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Look at like I mean, one example is like John John Florence rips at skating. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many people know that, but he's like insane. So yeah. is Ivan Florence and Evan Caples. Like oh yeah, and he surfs pretty damn good too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, skateboarding is what he's known for, yeah. but he surfs pretty damn good too. Yeah, and for sure, because his dad, Evan Caples, yeah. reps. Yeah. So, where what part of Long Beach did you grow up? Northtown. Northtown. Bixby Knolls. Okay. So the first See, that's home, like right around my area too. Yeah, the first house that we lived in was forty five oh nine Pasadena Avenue between Atlantic and Long Beach Boulevard above Share Park. Yeah. Which easily parlays into my world of fishing because at Share Park there was a little pond that had bass and bluegill and crawdad and so when we would bomb the hill down the park <laughs> we'd fish yeah. so you, you started know. fishing early on too yeah okay yeah and then like the Long Beach barge and things like that <clears throat> um, my neighbor across the street the Longs Mickey and Joel Long these two brothers their mom Brenda was super cool and so when you know, she would have us for whatever, you know, we'd go and fish the Long Beach Barge or fish off the Seal Beach Pier, or we'd just be down at the park hanging with the bums fishing, you know? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And Long Beach, you know, it, it's a funny place from my recollection because it was so um, diverse culturally, right? Totally. Because you had every freaking sort of uh, ethnicity. Correct. And, it, and, de- and demographic as far as like you had the rich blocks, you yeah. had the middle class blocks, totally. and you had the ghetto, and yeah. they're all... Because when yeah. you say North Long Beach, you think yeah. kind of ghetto, yeah, but then sure. when you say Bixby Knowles, which is in yeah. North Long Beach, yeah. you're thinking, oh, that's high society. Yeah, totally. And that's, and that's kind of where we ended up. Like where I was on 4509 Pasadena was above Share Park, and that was be- between Long Beach Boulevard, but closer to Atlantic. And then, you know... Actually, I'm sorry. We were in Bixby Knolls before that off of Locust. And then we moved over to, to, to that side. But when we were in Bixby Knolls, it definitely is like a higher yeah. a higher class, the social class. The are bigger. The yeah. properties are large. It's Totally. Like, yeah. But you cross one boulevard, you know, and you're getting your ass whooped at 7-Eleven <laughs> buying some crips. <laughs> yeah. Straight up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Long Beach is, is crazy like that. Like, sometimes the hood's really only separated from the rich zone by, like, an alley. By an alley. Literally by a, an alley. It's yeah. so weird. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's true. It's still to this day. I mean, and not just Long Beach, but yeah. everywhere in the world. You know, like, yeah, totally. I've been to some places in the world where it's like, you know, you're living in like you said, high society. Like, yeah, you know, wow, everything's super nice. Next block over is Tijuana. <clears throat> you're like, 
How, is that right here? Yeah. So what, what uh, junior high, high schools did you go to? So we, we left Long Beach right when I started sixth grade, and we moved to Rossmore. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so straight down Seal Beach Boulevard to... To Seal. Seal. Yeah. Which was like my next... That was the next evolution of my surfing existence, you know? The Seal and Matt Cameron and, and Luke Carrion. Those, those kids. That's when you, you got introduced to those dudes? Yes. And you're probably old enough and close enough where you can just hop on a bike. You don't need to rely on... Oh, we were, we were to sixth grade, McAuliffe. Like, back then, there was no, like, curfew. Like, my yeah. mom and dad were working, like, late 80s. Oh, we had such yeah. a loose... Oh, bro. I mean, you know how it was. Like, but my mom had no idea. Yeah. They had no idea <laughs> what I was Just come home when the lights... Uh, and not even that. Not you know that. what I mean? When yeah. you, in Rossmore, there's such a false sense of security in there. Like, it's so, like, wonder years. Yeah. You could just be, like on full panty raids literally <laughs> dealing with sheriffs and like come home and your parents wouldn't even know yeah, yeah. that happened you know so just you know yeah Rossmore was trippy loose. like that it was loose back then very yeah. loose not all parents but my you know yeah. I came yeah, I had loose I was able to cruise yeah I'm very grateful it's not like my parents didn't love me or weren't involved no. in my life but like I think I was just a sneaky little shit you know yeah I think we all are yeah dude yeah. busted yeah so I lived in Long Beach, uh, off of Cherry and Harding, and I don't mm-hmm. know if you know. What I do that know is. where that is. Yeah, it's deep. It's pretty deep. Yeah, and I remember because both my parents are Filipinos, and both of them, they they, they kind of worked a lot. Yeah, and and my mom would leave at like by six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning, and wouldn't come home until seven, eight o'clock at yeah, night. Exact same thing for me. And my dad would be at home but be asleep in the day and then go to work at like six at night and come home work the graveyard huh? yeah and dude i would run amok yeah and it was normal there's yeah. plenty of, of a muck to be running up in that <laughs> yeah. part of long beach too you yeah know? and i remember like my friends would be like dude you don't have to check in i go what's check in you know <laughs> like yeah don't you have to call like every you know three or four hours just to let them know what you're doing. I'm like, well, no, I don't have to do that. Okay, well, you guys want to, uh, you want to spend the night, Linden? Like, or, you know, on Friday night? I'm like, yeah. You have to ask your mom? No. <laughs> yeah. I, I, same thing here. I just leave my a note. Let, hey, I'm, this is where I'm staying. Here's the parent's name and the number. Yeah. Like, See just Sunday. That, yeah. It wasn't my dad asking, like, hey, where are you going to be and who, who do I contact? It was me volunteering like yeah. this is where i'm going to be at here's the info yeah, yeah. you know and it's it funny like, how our generation or i'm a little older than you oh, guys now, but now i'm like where's my daughter <laughs> yeah no 100 percent. like no way <laughs> it's crazy it's, times now it's and we're just like yeah you know i'm sure there was just as much like savagery and psychopaths yeah. running amok back then but like yeah. now we just know more about yeah. it yeah well there's so much information being shared like you're like oh this fool lives on my block yeah. <laughs> and he's a sex offender. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. But it's like, you know, my daughter, you know, we, we know where and what you guys don't trust me. It's not that it's just kind of know where, you know, like in case somehow we know where you're at, like yeah. for whatever reason, like totally. it's more for us to, you know, just, yeah. we don't check in on you. We don't care, yeah. but we just want to make sure you're safe. We tell my daughter yeah. the same thing. It's not about trusting you. It's yeah. the other fucking morons on the planet yeah. that yeah. are psychos. They are. 
There's you know? a lot of psychos out there. Lots of so them. So sixth grade on, Rossmore. Sixth grade on, Rossmore. Moved to Rossmore. And, had, and, a, had a Rossmore crew of guys that like really weren't skaters. But like you were talking about, there was like a bike thing. So we our deal was like go on Thursdays was trash day on Foster. And we did go and kick every fucking trash can ever, you know? <laughs> just like, being little punks. Just being little assholes. You know, and like literally doing like panties. And they weren't the plastic ones. And they were they all were, metal back then. Oh, yeah. Bang. Yeah. 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 We're just shithead kids. And then, you know, there was Mid Zone and Anarchy Zone, which were like BMX dirt tracks that were in our zone. And there was a place called The Hole, which was a, a kid named Mike Kamenos. His dad was a drug dealer. And he had this crazy stash dug off the 405 and 605 interchange where we could get in the ditch by my house and go to this place and kind of hang out in this little hole that he freaking dug crazy well there's like a lot of feet Wait, like dad dug a hole in he had like a full a drug fork. stash like you know when you're on the freeway you're going north on the 405 and you you go like you're gonna get on the 605 north yeah. and there's just a bunch of like greenery and trees and space and then there's a ditch that runs through rossmore one of the ditches that runs through rossmore like literally in one of those patches of ditches under a tree there was probably a you know a hole in the ground maybe six feet deep half the size of this room just a hangout boys club kind of well, yeah but there was also false walls where like you know a piece of a, a styrofoam like a shitty styrofoam uh, cooler yeah pieces of that covered in dirt that were covering holes in the wall where stuff was stored there was nothing in it <laughs> yeah but this kid Mike Kaminos took our little squad in there and that was kind of like yeah. my dad like made a, this a play- yeah we we're like <laughs> this could be a clubhouse yeah what is this but you know, BMXing like, was super popular back then and there was tons of fields. I grew up here in Huntington, and you know now yeah. it doesn't look like there's a yeah. spare piece of dirt anywhere unless they tear something down. But there was lots of fields, and we'd be out there on the weekends building like little, you know, yeah, little. But that was like our jumps, that was like our burns. era, right? Yeah. You know, like the rad era, the yeah. rad BMX era. Now you got to, you know, there's there's not really sheep hills. Yeah, that's and that's still killer, but yeah. So like those kids though, they weren't like surfers or skaters. So I had like my Rossmore crew that like I just did dumb shit with, and then I got. I, I ended up meeting some really cool musician, skater, graffiti writer guys, some from Rossmore. Um, they were they were high school guys. And you were what? I was seventh grade, sixth, seventh, eighth grade. The, the, just in that that time frame. Um, and so, so a little bit older pack. Yeah, I always ran with older cats. I just somehow there was always an older dude, you know that took me under their wing or brought me into the crew you know like yeah. I've always said like everything I've ever accomplished or ever done in my life is like only because of my friends yeah. I've never done anything on my own I mean I'm sure I have but like for the most part like I couldn't sit here and blather on about myself like everything I've ever done that I consider a true success is through other people that put me on yeah you know? well you always should you know that's, that's humility and humbleness yeah but yeah. you should always <clears throat> surround yourselves with like minded people and people that you know want to have whether it's the same goal or same lifestyle and totally. people to push you and positive so i hang out with this guy right? <laughs> or he so, hangs out with me so or, so this crew there were graffiti artists and- there was a guy andrew risick he was kind of like the ringleader of this scene and, and he's gone on to be part of a very successful um advertising agency and like you know done campaigns for massive companies you know and i didn't even reconnect with him until you know, maybe less than a decade ago. But he was one for sure that I really kind of looked up to, Andrew Rizek, and then... So you're talking graffiti graf- artists? Graffiti, like, like spray, 
Yeah, paint, like straight fucking... up bombing freeways and ditches. And then, you know, in the Huntington Cliffs, remember when there used to be the graffiti walls there yeah. right, by Taco Bell Reef and all that stuff? Um, so those guys, but like the crazy thing was they were graffiti writers and skateboarders, but they were also in straight edge bands. They didn't do drugs or a straight edge. Hmm. Andrew was a, he played in Focused, the straight edge band called Focused. He worked at Zed Records over in Long Beach at the Traffic Circle back yeah. in the day. Yeah. So they were like, it was like everything skateboarding is. It's like punk rock, graffiti, you know, skateboarding, kind of like just punk punk vibe. Yeah. You know? So. And, and that's when you. That opened up like when I think I really felt like skateboarding was a, hu- a more like a huger part of my identity. Not just we're like we're talking nineties, right? This is eighties. This is okay. This is like eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, I believe, because maybe maybe I met those guys. Maybe I met Andrew in high school. It's hard to remember those dates, but like definitely met these guys later in middle school, and then early nineties was when it like really just busted open. Yeah, you know. So talk about skateboarding and and how your progression. Like you, you started skateboarding and. In the Rossmore. Yep. Well, I started skating in Long Beach, you know, as a kid. And, like, there was the local crew, the launch ramp sessions, like, we all grew up to. And everyone, you know, these kids, these twin brothers, Lauren and Lane, they had a mini ramp in the neighborhood. And so you skate the mini ramp and you kind of learn how to skate transitions. But um, when I got to Rossmore is when um, I met the Stratton family. Remy Stratton? So Remy, Remy Stratton, his younger brother, who's a year younger than me, Steve Stratton. You know, obviously, these guys are very influential names in the yeah. industry. They're still a huge part of Volcom currently, yeah. even through all of everything that's going on. Those guys are a huge part of Volcom. So, once I connected with Steve Stratton and was skating with him and Rossmore when I was still in middle school, um, <clears throat> Remy is really the key to my career in skateboarding. Hmm. I don't know. He saw something in me that he believed in and uh, gave me an opportunity to actually you know a couple of years after middle school like freshman year going into sophomore year really is when i got sponsored and remy like were you a quick learner or he just saw like i don't know you're I don't just know. you know what's crazy cool like person. i'm not really that good at anything i just am down to try really fucking hard yeah like i'm yeah. all my will far it far exceeds my um skill set Remy sauce are we going are we laughing yeah yeah, Remy, whatever he saw, I just like I was, I was telling you, uh, Lars. But was now, like, back then, was Remy like living? Well, he, he was, he was, he was like already... not. He was not only just like the hometown hero. He was in the Thrasher magazines, Power Edge magazines. Like he, Strato and I, Steve Stratton, his younger brother and I, like we got taken on like heavy sessions where he was shooting with O, who was the singer of this band, Olive Lawn, who was the head photographer of Power Edge, like. I saw some really cool skate shit, skate culture early on because of Remy. Mm. So my perspective of skateboarding is because of Remy and through his his window of what how he saw skateboarding is really what shaped how I even still see skateboarding. So like, Remy was making a name for himself and he kind of took you under his wing. He was already fully established. He mm. was like pro for Acme Skateboards. When, when I met him, he rode for Skull Skates and um, I don't remember what, a GNS board company and then eventually um he connected with jim gray and started writing for acme skateboards and that was like my sophomore year in high school so like 91 or 92 um is when he really took me under his wing and gave me an opportunity and when i say take me under his wing i just mean like he really like he 
gave me boards and like yeah. said, you yeah. ride for Acme Skateboards. I got my first package at my house. Like my mom stopped paying for clothes and boards and they were just like astonished. Yeah. So, so you were getting really good at skateboarding. You weren't like skateboarding is different from surfing as far as like trying to be sponsored. Yeah. It's, uh, it's way different. Totally. Right? Totally. And it's not like you need to surf con- or skate contest to be sponsored. You just need to be a ripping skater. I can, and, yeah, I think right? it was. I think it's just my spirit. Like I was telling you, it's like too. it's not like, that I'm like I really I'm not that good. I'm not naturally gifted. Yeah. I'm just down to try, and I'm not afraid to fall. But I, I think a lot of brands that's make this mistake. You know, some some are on it, meaning like they they look for the guys that are cool. Maybe have looks, but they're passionate. They have just yeah. you know easy to work with, easy to be around, and just a positive or ripper. You yeah, know? just a positive ambassador for their brand, right? Yeah, I that's think it. that's what I category like, I always fall into. I like into. that we we we're talking about you know sponsorship. We haven't had a, a full skateboarder on our show yet. I don't think, right? I don't think so. And this is cool because like you know skateboarders are so we're all. We all do the same thing passionately, yeah. you know. Yeah. But skateboarders are their, their mentality and their culture is similar, but way different. Yeah. It's like you know, I don't want to like they're, say they're like, hard. I was going to say the quote unquote core. Like it's yeah. like the skateboarders are hardcore. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like I definitely, they're, they're I definitely rough around the edges. Correct. You know. Yeah. Definitely rough around the edges, and um, and they're point blank. They're they're hard, straightforward. Hard to be accepted. Yeah. Know? Yeah. You yeah. have to earn yeah. your way. Totally. And not just with talent, but with attitude and personality. It's a different. It is. It's a different thing. You can't yeah. get by on just talent. No. And you know, some guys do because like whatever it is, call it luck. They meet the right person because eventually it is really all who you know. For yeah. You sure. know, it's it's what you know. A lot, but it's who you know, right? Because yeah. so, with, with surfing, you know, it's like your merits are your contest results. Yeah, well, did and you, you, did you grow up in the NSSA ranks, you know? Right, right? Like, yeah. You can get sponsored. Yeah. And and um, with skateboarding, it's like, nah, that's not that's not really no. what it is. And that era, is. that it's totally true. I think it's a little different now. It totally is But, now. but in now that like era, when I, I mean, we're pretty similar in age. Yeah. yeah. And it was like... Yeah, we are. Yeah. <laughs> You're not old like this guy. Uh, hey, you're okay, lucky cut it out. You're lucky you're happy. I'm going to cut this out. I'm going to cut that part but, out. But just going back to like early hanging out at the surf shops and hanging out with the boys. Yeah, you get a free board yeah. and you're kind of part of the deal. But to get like a legitimate sponsor was show me your contest stats yeah, yeah, and show totally. me. Got to talk to the team manager and, you, you know, I got to go through all these hoops yeah. and loops. And yeah. it was tough. Skateboarding totally. is, is rad that way because... Uh, you know, it, it isn't about what you did in a contest. It's like how you skate and how you present yourself and how you and get a, it. attitude. You know. Yeah. So, you know, in saying that, like, I feel like you know Lance Mountain. We all know who Lance Mountain is. He yeah. said it in a in a in a different podcast. He just said it so well. It's like he always looked at skateboarding as like your job isn't always to just be this ripper guy. It's just to make people fall in love with skateboarding. Yeah. It's and true. that's it. Whether it's like through your personality or the way, it, you know, skateboarding and surfing, what we share there, what shares is like style. Yeah. And, you know, I come from a generation where like nothing matters but style. Yeah. In surf and skate. I don't care what you do. If it doesn't look good. Yeah. Who fucking cares? So yeah. we're talking 90s, right? 
For skating, yeah. 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 You know, I, I skated, so you skated through the 80s. So were you small wheels and big pants guy? Not until, you know what? Not until I met a really close friend of mine, Danny Montoya. When I was skating. Did we go too late. No, no, no. Let's that's, go back. It's, it's, it's all kind of, yeah, go ahead. Bring it back. Let's go back. So you, you I was a skater in the Acme? Yeah. Okay. That yeah. was your first sponsor? That was my very first sponsor. And, and Remy... Yeah. Remy orchestrate yeah, that. Yeah, Remy. That would not have happened without Remy. Like, so what? Did, how did that go down? Like, did you? So he was just like. Because I don't picture you going, "Hey, man." No, no. I, I never. I never sought out to get sponsored. I never even thought about sponsorship. I didn't even really fucking know what that was outside of like, oh, Strato's brother is a pro skater and is sponsored, meaning like whatever that means. Yeah. But then going out with him and going on shoots and like, you know, going into his room as a kid in middle school and early high school going into Remy's room he was never home but you go into his room and you get to experience culture skateboarding culture at its finest shoe boxes of the coolest stickers you've ever seen the sickest half cap vans half cabs you've ever seen like <laughs> stacks of boards from whatever companies the magazines you just you get a wave of culture and experience and so that's what I knew of skateboarding is what, yeah. what I saw through Remy but I never thought like Oh, I'm gonna do this, yeah. or this is what I want to do. I always wanted to be a pro surfer. Yeah, I always wanted to be a pro surfer, and I didn't even know what that meant. I yeah. just thought that, like, I just want to be a pro surfer. Well, you look at you know at that age, you know, the magazines, and you come in both, you know, surf, totally. and skate, and music, and all of them, and you're just like, <clears throat> you know, I want to do it all, but it comes down to like what your talent, like, what are you gonna excel at? Yeah, probably you resonated with skate, and that's so. And that's so it came to, to it came to me. I didn't <clears throat> seek it out. Remy just. Believed in me. Yeah. Whatever he so, saw. So what happened? How did how did the sponsorship? He was just like, hey, dude, I want you to like ride these boards, you know. And at that time, I kind of understood like what the culture of being sponsored was. Eventually, when I actually got on the team, first it was like, hey, I want to send you some boards because I want you riding them. You know, I want yeah. you repping. Like you skate hard. You're like, yeah, charging. It'd be rad if you rode this these boards. And then eventually, I I through meeting my friend Danny Montoya learned the filming content creating way before you know Instagram yeah. or the internet or thing but the, what we did was film you know like you guys know that like yeah. this is like high 8 era this isn't VHS this is post VHS this is high 8 cameras and filming and so I started filming and I started filming with this kid Espo Mike Esposito who was a neighborhood kid that was a skater and you know no skateboarder has a career without a homie that's a filmer Right, for sure. And so Espo was my first guy, and, and without him, I would have never been able to be a part of Acme and provide the things that Remy needed from me. So I t it kind of all just happened all at the same so time. So you got sponsored, you know, got on the flow team sponsored, but you pro produced killer content. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, where that's a, this the work ethic thing yeah. that we were talking about when I first got here. Yeah. I just have an insane mm -hmm. work ethic where like I don't even know, I don't care what the outcome is. I just like I just want to be in the mix. Like yeah. let's do this, you know. So yeah. for me, it was. Cool. I had a friend film me trying whatever the hell I was trying, and so that work ethic and what we talked about earning your stripes is like I yeah. earned a position where they're like, yeah, yeah. you're you're on. But you're and, fortunate to have a good crew oh, that sure. embraced all of that because there's probably guys out there in who wherever yeah. that rip but just didn't have yeah, that just, yeah. crew to yeah chill. no network yeah. no connections. It comes back to that like it's all okay. who you know. Yeah. And we're talking the early um, beginnings of street skating. Like progressive street skateboarding. Right. 
like you know, not like '80s Lucero slappies, like rails yeah. still anywhere. The rails like are technical. Off. Yeah, very technical. Yeah, it, yeah. it, it is the dawn. Or, yeah. yeah, it is the dawn of technical skateboarding. Technical, technical, technical street skating. Yeah. yeah, flip in, flip out. Totally. And I, <laughs> and I, and I, because of coming from skating in the '80s until I met Danny, I, I was kind of like that surfer skater kid, you know. And then I met him, and he was the one who really opened my eyes to like, oh shit, my thought of skateboarding was still kind of this like launcher slasher like yeah. tranny style dude thrashing yeah thrashing to yeah. like this really technical big pants small wheels yeah. type skating and that's when that transition happened but that might have been a good i mean timing is everything too but having that style of that surf skate versus the kids that came this next generation that were just so technical like yeah. in you know, as long as they landed the trick, it was cool. You know, but yeah. they might have not as looked as I never, I free. never have never thought about it like that. But you you're know right. what I mean? You're like, right. It's true. Well, no it's, one's ever said like, like, damn, that was like really gnarly, a really gnarly trick. They're just like, oh, I just like the way you did that. Because it's yeah. it's everything that leads up to it, the trick, and the, it's it's the whole picture. It's not just the trick. You yeah. know, your, your, your surfing background probably smoothed out your skating oh, style totally right totally and, i mean anyone probably... anyone that even ever even comments on my skateboarding even currently it's always like you have such a surfy style and yeah. you know whatever that means yeah you know makes you different from a lot of the rest a lot of it you know yeah. and so that's maybe where you no know, i stood alone too to remy when he saw me skateboarding i don't yeah. know but i mean that is that's my hair that's my dna you know so you you got sponsored High school, junior high, yeah. high school. High school, yeah. High school. Yeah. And then where did that lead to? Like, um, well, you know, did I... Did you start... Was there contests or was this like... There was contests. There was... Um, there were definitely contests and... Like the castle? Castle, yeah. yeah. Castle contests. And I only ever did a couple that were local. Um, I didn't do any pro contests until later on. But um, yeah, I didn't really... You know, there wasn't really a need to do that. Remy wasn't asking me to do contests or anything like that. It was really more just like shoot photos and film video parts yeah you know that for, that that type of culture for that era what were you producing content for like remember? say yeah like, so there's an acme video called acme a go go that was like my very first real part like video part for a board sponsor killer you know and so i filmed acme a go go acme a go go yeah, i wrote for acme skateboards and that was acme a go go um produced by uh Scott, I can't think of his name. He later went on to do um, a TV show, the hit TV show for kids with the DJ. Um, anyways, it's a he, he, him, and this guy Christian Jacobs created some TV show for kids that was super successful. But he made Acme a Go Go hmm. is what I'm getting around to. Yeah, Christian Jacobs from Aquabats. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, correct. Sorry. Yeah. Who's, so he was my team manager. Right after Acme yeah. for GNS, but that was all in the ABC board. Gotta get you company. on the show, Christian. Yeah. So he, him, and Scott. I don't. I don't think it's. It's not Scott Waters. It's uh. Anyways, I, these guys had. I they they made this TV show with <clears throat> DJ Lance. What is this show? I. Yo Gabba Gabba. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I those guys, that. those yeah. guys later made Yo Gabba Gabba. World's best podcast or dad. World's best dad's podcast is Christian and Jimmy. Jimmy Origi. Yeah. So Jimmy Origi was part of Channel One. I never had a connection to him back then, but he, Channel One Skateboards was in ABC Board Supply, which was part of Acme and all that stuff. Okay. So I was around those guys. He, he he might not even remember me when I was a Grom being around there because I was Remy's little guy, you know, but funny how those, those touch points when all... Such a, when, yeah. when did you get, like, your first 
ad or like shot in the mag and like that was probably 94 95 i was definitely in high school yeah because it was like a big deal like oh shit i'm gonna be in this magazine and i'm like gonna go to school tomorrow and there's gonna be kids that know and see it and it was right when 411 video magazine came out and so i got to be in the early issues of 411 because of just the circle of people that i was skating with mainly through danny montoya again um but yeah danny's from where danny's from uh garden grove okay yeah Right off the 22. And, and he and, wrote um, for Acme uh, too? No, he, he ended up writing for other brands. And then his career far superseded where I ended up. But later we ended up writing for Stussy together. You so, wrote for Stussy too? Yeah. I mean, that, and that's not that much further along the timeline actually. Um, okay. So yeah, that first ad was sometime in high school. And that was for, for Acme. It was for Acme or Standard Trucks, which was all again part of the same distribution house, mm-hmm. ABC Board Supply. Um, so it was either a standard trucks ad or an Acme shot. And then I got moved over to Formula One skateboards, which was Omar Hassan's brand, still under the same roof. Um, and then GNS, which was still under the same roof. <clears throat> yeah. So I just kind of got put into places that really filled gaps for the building. You know, it's, it's crazy how, um, you know, skateboarding in the early nineties was blowing up Yes. and how, uh, how the, 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 there's a root and becomes a tree and all the branches and all the branches of skateboarding. You know, when you think back of all the brands back then, you're yeah. like, oh man, there's so many brands, but they were all really part of one. Totally. Brand. Totally. Yeah. You know, you had you know? like giant, which was, you know, new deal and all these other brands. And you had like ABC, which was this. And, you know, definitely there were distribution houses that, yeah. that carried five to eight. Yeah. Brands. It was, it was pretty entrepreneurial. Like, what, what skateboarders were doing yeah. back in the day because like you know like Rocco right yeah totally he's World one industry. of the most amazing I don't know him personally but looking from the outside like what he did of building an empire he shaped skateboarding but, industry as a business oh my you know? gosh I think, right? a, I think it's a way totally to your point but these guys to invest in a warehouse and the overhead and then you know to, to, to kind of make it all work based on you know the limited distribution of hard goods and the low margin yeah you know but they took other people under their you know hey i yeah. want to start my own label that's exactly and, yeah, what it is it, and that's what i really admire about the skate culture is yeah. they really embrace and help those that are underneath like the next you know yeah. up and comers yeah. to really flourish and like hey well we'll help you out just it's it's you killer how, like, and we'll, we'll do the distribution it's killer how like like you said you know when when let's say it's it's girl right and then they had so many people on girl that, you know, shit, we got to like, ha- you know, we, we can't put chocolate. everybody on. Yeah. Chocolate. So they start chocolate, which is another brand, a subdivision of girl, but it's girl. Yeah. But, nobody, but, you know, half the population doesn't know what that means. You yeah, know? totally. Doesn't know the difference yeah. or doesn't know there isn't really a difference. It's just a different name. Totally. So, you know, and then a video comes out and you're like, oh, there's a chocolate section in this girl video. And yeah. then, you know, cross promotion. I mean, it yeah. just it helps everybody. Yeah. I mean, it, you know. it, it comes back to the term that like we haven't touched on yet, but yes, like the DIY skate culture. Yeah. But you know that it's funny. I, I have to, because I even said, yeah, well, I have to, uh, you know, give Andy Harris from San Pedro and Robbie, I don't remember Robbie's last name, the guys that built Pedro side, the park in Pedro, um, you know, they always talk about like, dude, skateboarding always talks about DIY. 
skateboarders never do it themselves. It's not do it yourself. <laughs> it's do it with your crew. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it, it comes back to what you're saying. It supports what you said is like it really you, skateboarders always support their crew and like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah, dude, come start a board brand under this umbrella and you start this will brand. And for sure. So I, I don't think we you pointed out what we were talking about your first ad or your first picture. Yeah. What was it? What was so the so th- this is funny now because now that I remember that actually tree yeah, yeah right full like off the lip on a tree branch <laughs> I wish dude be so, so psyched no now now that I think about it it wasn't even the first photo I ever even had in a magazine was in one of Remy's ads it was in Power Edge and it was a GNS ad and we were at the playground at Surfside and Remy's on a swing upside down with his board on the swing. And Strato and I are underneath them building like a little sand castle or whatever. So that was like the first skateboard magazine I was ever in. That was in Power You weren't even skateboarding. No, no, I was just building a sand castle with Strato <laughs> looking like a little dork, you know? Photo cred. <laughs> but I always claim it because like I have a pink public image limited t-shirt on. Oh, boy. And some badass like Nikes back then where I'm like, dang, dude, I... I would look cool now if I had that on. Yeah, you know, yeah, I don't even, circle. Yeah, I don't even think I knew what the fuck I was doing back then, you <laughs> yeah. know? But uh, so that, yeah, that was the first time I was in a skate mag. But the first like thing that I went out and actually was commissioned to shoot wasn't even for anyone I rode for Remy somehow either he like had the opportunity it was supposed to be him but he had some connection with hang 10 you remember hang 10 yeah it was like the second iteration of hang 10 and Remy's like hey I need you to hook up with Chris Ortiz who shoots for trans world and go shoot this photo for hang 10 and here's like the gear that you have to wear wow and I was like okay and so I shot a crooked grind on some random marble ledge in like, you know, Century City on another, on another session. Like we were just out street skating and I had to like change into the, the hang 10 clothes, shoot the ad. You know, I didn't make a penny or anything, but I think it was just Remy just like fulfilling some obligation he had with hang 10. Yeah. And then eventually I had a, a GNS ad. Okay. Which was like intentful. I went to go shoot like a, a skate photo for an ad, you know. That's awesome. That's rad. So, so the GNS ad was your first this is justin reynolds he rides for gordon and yeah. smith skateboards yeah. yeah it was a front side hand front side board so, slide on a on a handrail in front of um um mr cream or there's a strip joint in like um laguna niguel mr creams or something like that Anyways. oh captain creams captain creams there you go i wouldn't know that yeah um, I, don't, I don't me either yeah I just yeah you heard about yeah yeah there was a rail in front of captain creams and so that was my first my first ad so your first ad that was high school yeah and, and what, was, what was like your parents like thinking at this time like like i'm like like somehow some way i swindled my way into like some I, I strange lo- existence i love the perspective of like most parents are like you need to stay in school and get totally. good grades like what are you doing with these bums and skateboarding and surfing and like what's that going to do and who are these people yeah. and you get this and you finally you know one is getting those those packages of product and stuff yeah and parents like Whoa, you're good. They just give you this stuff, like yeah. which is mind blowing. Yeah, saving them. I'm saving you some money. Just let me do what I want to do. And so you know what's crazy is that this just brings something up that I definitely like just thought of right now, but I'd love to talk about at some point. Is that like my parents were stoked for me? Yeah, they were super supportive, and it was because boxes showed up, and then it was like, what about your cousins? Or hey, you know, this person's kid skates at Christmas, you know, like I was the savior. Yeah. Like, oh, you're the cool sponsored skater guy that's in the magazines that I show all my coworkers. Like, I need to get Nancy blah 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 a pair of trucks for her son. Like, okay, mom. Yeah. You know? So 
that was cool, right? And then like you get clothing sponsors and then yeah. you get all your family gear at Christmas and you're the guy. Yeah. You know, but the one thing <laughs> that I wish my parents had really like gotten more involved in was the financial side. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't asking for, I don't, I definitely didn't want like a manager or yeah. anything like that. But like one thing that I think a lot of pro skaters, I don't know if this is the way in surfing, because I feel like there's a lot more management in sponsorships in surfing. Like people, I, nowadays, you know, nowadays, yeah. Yeah. but like financially, man, at one point I owed the IRS like 60 grand. Yeah. Just because you... Just because I was a dipshit kid. This check's for eight grand. I'm spending 8,001. Wow. You know, like I'm spending every penny. Okay. Yeah. So Because so, they didn't get involved and say like, hey, wait, you're getting checks now? Yeah. Let's stop and say, let's buy you a house. Yeah. Let's yeah. not like or, take your friends to Europe. Or, hey, you're making substantial money. money. Yeah. You got to put away for taxes. Yeah. That, yeah. that didn't come that. until like that, way later. And yeah. for sure that rests on the shoulder of, of parents no matter what totally you i mean know? i was a dipshit no matter what yeah you know again you know well if you're but that if sh- you're communicating it though like yeah i don't know that my mom ever really knew what i was going what i was dealing with with contractually and my dad my stepdad yours is a lawyer yeah. so like i definitely didn't want to like talk to him about contracts because he probably would have just like ripped him up and be like you're not signing this bullshit you're getting yeah. ripped off you know so not until later when I got a real contract with substantial money that would like shape my future, so, so did my mom go like, "Hold on, bro"? Before before we get to yeah, because that's the 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 money part of it. Yeah. How was your like ascension to like okay, like in your mind like product photo incentive to yeah. like a small salary? Like what was that first that's, like? That's exactly it. It was yeah. just the same thing that like my friends in surfing kind of had. You know, yeah. you had photo incentive and you got kind of paid per project if you filmed a video part yeah. or, you know, things like that. Um, but then I didn't, I mean, it, professional skateboarding at that time, you really had to be like a top 25 superstar type X Games guy to really make substantial money. Yeah. You know, like the true hardcore street skaters that were just out filming content. So who was who was the guy doing it at that point in time? Costin. Costin. And- like the guys that kind of almost some of them are still there. Chad yeah. Muska was like, that, that was like the beginning of Chad yeah. Muska was when I kind of started doing the thing. We're, we're from the same generation, but those are kind of Chet the names. Thomas. Chet did really well for himself. Yeah. Of course. But those kind of locally household skateboard names yeah. that were like you know easily recognizable. I mean, if you know who I am around here, you're a dork. I'm so <laughs> underground sponsored skater guy. You know, I wasn't like a household name. Yeah. Like my biggest claim to fame in skateboarding was like a psycho like modeling contract through Anchor Blue and having my photo on the back of like eighteen wheel trailers. Yeah, that's a that's a whole other thing. Like I didn't. I don't think I ever truly made it in skateboarding as far as like finances until later. It was really more just about keeping the party going and like living the lifestyle. Yeah. I hate to say that, but like no, but we invented the lifestyle, you yeah, know? Yeah. Dude, to do what you love and party and play all day and get paid for it. Yeah. And it could be a little, just like you said, make ends meet. You're like, that's you're all winning. right. Yeah. That's you're winning. Winning. But then those checks yeah. start showing up. You're like, Okay, the hard work's finally paid off, and now I'm making some money. But yeah. Like, so, did you ever ride for Volcom? No. When Remy was a from the very beginning, when Remy was a part of Volcom, um, I had just moved to San Luis Obispo to go to school, mm-hmm. and he. So was, you're a smart kid. No, no. I think that was just kind of like my mom pressured me. I didn't go to Cal Poly. I was at Cuesta, you know. And the the highlight to me of Cuesta was like there was seven to one girls to guys. That was like the highlight of college for me, you know, like at that point in my life. As a kid. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah. So like that's 95, 96. And so Remy, that's like just the dawn of Volcom 
kind of like it probably was two or three years old because I remember in high school, you know, Simmons, Ryan Simmons would take um, Damon Keene and I, who was a part of Vulcan from the beginning, with Troy Eckert to like NSSA contests. And like I have that early connection to the brand. But Remy would send me stuff up in San Luis Obispo, but I don't think... So you kind of kept surfing too as you were skateboarding. Oh yeah, I've never... I've always actually... Surfing's always been more of a constant in my life than even skateboarding. You know? Surfing to me is just like is a permanence what okay so talk about surf where was like the first surf trip you know outside of california and most people say mexico because that was our generation of just yeah you know driving like, for me i think it was going to hawaii with my family it wasn't like, even like because i wasn't like a sponsored surf guy yeah. you know i was like oh my we're going to hawaii family trip and yeah bring was, a board? I, yeah exactly bring a board i had like a little five six pesh that maddie cameron gave me for free <laughs> awesome. that's what i took to hawaii you know but like <laughs> go to the big island i surf banyans nice you know and then went to Maui and surfed with these two twins that I grew up with in Rossmore that had moved to Maui mm. and surfed like uh, Hokipa and um, not the bay, but uh, a couple other in South Kihei, surfed some waves down there with them in Maui. And that was really my first taste of like waves outside of Southern California, where I was like, whoa, yeah. surfing is sick. And the world of surfing and all the videos I grew up watching, like yeah. I want a piece of this. I was always jealous of the skaters because they, you know, were obviously the, the cool guys and, you know, it was kind of more of a rugged, like hardcore, yeah, you but know, sport. On, but on the other side on, of that. On the other end, I'm like going, you know, exotic, going, going to exotic locations, yeah. you know, yeah. and yeah. surfing. And so from being not a sponsored surf guy and being a sponsored skate guy, same thing where I was like, damn, these pro surfers are jaded, bro. <laughs> like this isn't good enough for you. No wonder why you can do airy versus perfectly. This wave has an exact section every time it's like a machine like it's like a skate park you know and i never really even to this day i haven't really experienced surfing on that level when i get into good waves it's easy to surf good when you're in the good waves yeah you know yeah it really is yeah it's easier i don't want to say it's easy it is easier but it's it not that your flaws are more exposed 100 percent. that is true you can you and i'll let you say that because i i wouldn't even know i'm full of flaws and it could be the surfer or it could be the equipment or you know you could yeah. easily kind of like oh you, you know yeah. it's easy to tell yeah. but for me it's usually the equipment <laughs> <laughs> for me it's usually like i didn't make the drop stamps never shape on the board again yeah. just kidding yeah so i stamps, mean we love your boards that's true and to talk about stamps the my first my first custom my first real custom board that i went out and sought and got made was from tim he nice. made me my first three or four boards when he was still at Harbor. Yeah. And I still have those boards and they're still like Crazy. in mint condition. Nice. Yeah. Such a small world. He's the yeah. man to he me. To me, back. he's the man. Yeah. No, you know, it's funny is like, I guarantee you, I could put my Harbor like single fins and these crazy glass on thrusters that he made me yeah. like online in Japan would just be like, that's five grand, you know, yeah, for have sure. relics that he made me. Good for you. you know? I like, I like people that hang on to, well, stuff that's like, means something yeah like yeah. there's an era of your life and i know it's super hard you got hoarders but then you got the people that are like eh, i don't need that and, you know when am i going to see it you yeah know? And, the yeah. boards and the things that i've given away i definitely like valued but i saw more value in giving them to somebody and going like this person actually deserves this i would never give them like my prized possession yeah. of no, course for sure but it's crazy because so i grew up you know surfing seal you know yeah with Maddie and Lou and the local kids there, Mike Riley. Yeah. You know, those guys. Ryan was older, Laura, uh, uh, Chad Wells. Wellsy yep, yeah. was older, you know, but those guys are like the big dogs, you know, and Shook. 
you know, he was like Jason the, Shook. Jason Shook. He yeah. was like the Nard North North Side guy, you yeah. know. But um, those guys are such punk ass bitches. Oh, dude, they were such <laughs> dicks. Yeah, I can dicks. say that. Well, dude. Yeah. Seal well, you didn't was mi- a gnarly flex. Wire, you know. Oh well, he <laughs> was King, King Dick. He was a, he was one of the gnarly. Lo- we and, love you. Yeah, and, and Charlie's. Super we'll have cool. you on the podcast soon. And Charlie's always been cool to me, but like for sure, there was just like just don't look, don't say, don't paddle. Yeah. These are the heavies, and so you know, coming from I what I saw from my dad in the South Bay and that localism, it kind of just was like natural to me. Yeah, you know, but that's why I mean, even now I don't have like a gnarly skill set in surfing, but I'm very aggressive. I get waves. I love crowds. My friends that surf crack up when I say that. I love crowds, dude, because the social aspect is vanished, and I'm there to get waves. And it's like trying to get a set on Northside. If you want to get a wave, bro. You better be fucking paddling, and you better not even take a s- second guess. Yeah, but that's from Seal. Yeah, cut the rope. That's Seal's skateboarder. S- I'm, I'm, not, I'm not out there to he's socialize. He's aggressive because of skateboarding. I'm not yeah. out there to socialize. Yeah. Dude. But Seal gave me that. Seal skateboarding definitely yeah. gave me that. But Seal yeah. and dealing with those fuckers, yeah. that <laughs> gave me that. Yeah. You know, and so I'm grateful for that for sure. I no, feel comfortable in any lineup. You know. Yeah, and that and that again, we always no. Talk. I see you posted. Uh, video of you getting waves that lowers and that's not an easy task and you know what's crazy everyone says things like that but i'll just i love it i don't i don't think i'm offending anyone i just know what to do because everyone yeah. else is trying to do the same thing yeah and so, you know like even rincon malibu you don't like, you don't you don't sit out there as a sore thumb like that guy's a dick like everybody's doing the same shit and yeah. so if you know how to if manipulate if you see a guy that well i know he only goes right or he only goes left but i like you know or you find a partner like hey let's, let's split, split this, yeah. you know yeah. like there's tactics that yeah. work but it, yeah. you, you got to be open-minded out there totally you, you can't be set in your ways because well one thing yeah. i think was a well, the thing <laughs> that i don't I, surf those places <laughs> right well the, the thing that i think i was the point that i was trying to make was talking about um coming from seal as i Wrote up, I grew up riding everyone's secondhand boards, you know, like Maddie would give me Peshes. Yeah. And I was a little smaller, and so they were a little bigger. You could ride Troy Tecklenburg's boards? Like I mean, and, right I, and I grew up with Troy, too, you know, like obviously. Yeah, yeah, I mean, going back yeah. for stature and size, like, yeah, yeah. you can. Yeah, so Maddie was more my scene, and I, yeah. I was super close with him, and so I got his hand me downs and occasionally lose, and then um, eventually, just out of necessity, I didn't have a board to ride. In a kid named Todd Catuli, you know who that is? He's he's a plumber, local plumber now, but he's from the Hill in Seal. He's one of the Seal Groms, you know, a couple of years younger than me. He's Mike Riley's age. Um, Todd Catuli's dad had this like seven o Har- Orange Harbor Pig single fin, hmm. and somehow that came to me, hmm. and just out of necessity, I started riding it. And this is before like. You know, I'm not claiming shit, but this is before like dudes are riding single fins as like a fucking statement of style and shit. Yeah, like yeah. I was just the dude. This is all I had to ride, and so eventually, that's all I ended up riding for twenty something years. It was like I mm. fell in love with that. Like all the boards that Stamps made me are crazy heavy glass jobs, six six seven zero single fins or glassed in thruster, rounded diamond tail, weird, long, thick, lot of foam. You know, yeah. lot of foam. Yeah. And so, again, that's part of my aggression is having that paddle ability and yeah. being on bigger, thicker boards and, like, drivier, more drivier, you know? It's, it's funny because with skateboarding, you know, it, it takes a lot of technicality and, like, you almost have to be so, 
I don't even know. You work hard at skateboarding. Yeah. And then what you're describing in the surfing part, and I'm not saying it's easy, but it's like, it's the easier part of surfing. Totally. So you had the yin and yang of like, you know, what you wanted to do. You know, it's crazy as I'm shocked now when I see skateboarders that surf, the guys that do excel and are great, but I'm also shocked at guys that rip super hard at skating and they like, not to be a dick, but they look horrible on a surfboard. And I'm just like, <laughs> how can you be one of the greatest skateboarders on the planet? And True. like, you just, I guess you just came so late. Yeah. yeah. But to me, because surfing came first, yeah. that is my nature. Yeah. That's the natural vibe, you know? It's about, I mean, both sports, there's such a, I want to say like a sensitivity to it. Yeah. Balance, weight transfer, you know, heel toe, you know, the light, you know, yeah. when to apply pressure, when not. And, and it's technical and like surfing's more subtle because you don't see the technical technical like aspect of it yeah except you, when they're going for a crazy, certain but just to go to be able to like maximize the waves energy is technical yeah oh, you know and it's not oh he didn't do it but a crazy some, air some people make it look so easy yeah where they they're so technically and, gifted that it's finesse and but that comes to grace again, getting in and out at a young age because it takes so muscle memory yeah. to build that and <laughs> But with, with skateboarding, man, like, especially, especially like the, the, where you were starting to come up in your own, the, like we were saying, the small wheels, big pants, like that was so... Oh, you're trying 5,000 tries for one land. Mm-hmm. For one land, but it, it wasn't really like the, the big stuff, like the yeah, handrails. No. Crazy the, tech. The, the crazy, you know, throw your body against the wall kind of stuff where it was, but... But that that part of the early stages of skateboarding, like the day one song. Yeah. I mean, the holy technical shit. vibe. Like yeah. The yeah. technical. Even for me, it was a shocker. Yeah. And, and it progressed into different types of skateboarding. Yeah, for sure. Factions right? of skateboarding kind of split, and then there was, you know, hash and fresh. Hash and fresh, yeah. You know, you know? Yeah. and then it's come full circle where everything in skateboarding is cool now, which is beautiful, yeah. which is how it should be. And it's kind of like that in surfing now where guys like. Dude. Alex Nost and Joel Tudor have made careers out of just looking great on a surfboard. Yeah, yeah. And not that they're not talented because they're incredible so surfers and, and amazing, you know, talents. But they yeah. just look great. What Work, they do on working, boards is working in so our industry, hard. right? And I've been in the surf and skate industry. Yeah. It's so funny how parallel the the marketing and e- not just marketing, but the real life culture of yeah. what's happened in surfing and skateboarding when you just said hash to fresh it's the same thing with surfing you know like there's hash surfers oh totally and fresh surfers totally it might not it might not be the same it's like jock surfing totally and, and soul surfing right and, yeah. and to me that is the best way to put it you know like there's it's the same thing there's jock skating yeah and then there's like really just the art of skateboarding yeah yeah it's definitely not a sport to me like i look at surfing and skateboarding as like athletic arts yeah this is an art that's, it's that's the same way to put it it's athletic a, art yeah it's an athletic art it's the same as like a ballerina yeah or a gymnast as crazy as that sounds or a martial artist and, and there's that, so much discipline and, yeah. it, and it is it but it's also i think people get misguided into like what their strengths are and, and it could just be their own personal like drive to totally. i want to be just like this guy but it's like you're not built like that guy. 
you don't have the same skills that guy you know you should go down this route but i mean a lot of that's just personal like reflection but also guidance and yeah it's so So, hard and that happens a lot too where like i have a a young friend now who's a fantastic surfer but i just watched him go from like being on a surf team and like having a sponsorship to like getting his first twin fin and be like fuck sponsorship i just want to fucking ride these boards and just have fun like i'm leaving all that shit behind and like it is it's like he was under tutelage and guidance that that shaped his path at the, to that point, and then he yeah. found his own way and making his own decisions. Making yeah. his own decisions, and so surfing's become something different for him. But it's yeah. exactly what you're saying, and that's so, fine. But you know, again, if if you want to have that person's success, you know, you yeah. got to yeah, you got to do all those little steps and all those. You got to do everything. Yeah, that, and that. for decades, for dec, yeah, and really well, like. Like you, you mentioned, Alex Nose and Joel Tudor, like they wanted to embrace that old school. Yeah, that, and what that they aspect do, of surfing culture. They mastered. Like they're yeah, freaking agreed. masters of that agreed. technique. Not everybody, and, and there's all kinds of freaking kooks at this. Like, oh, they're freaking, uh, they're lame. They're not on the like hot broad boards and, you know, thrusters all the time. Do what they do, you know. Yeah. 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 Right. Until you can do what they yeah, do. Yeah. For sure. Don't say shit. Yeah. And, you know, strangely, a lot of the kids these days that even, you know, a lot of the longboarders and a lot of the guys that are riding more soulful style surfboards, sometimes you can put them on those like short boards and they're super gnarly. Yeah. And, and they have it in there, you know, but they just choose. Yeah. But we came from an era where it's, it's so black and white. Oh, you know, you had to be so, this was, and that. It was now, so black and white. Now everything's a little bit, you know, there's room for everybody and it's good for the, both sports and it's good for the industry and it's good for brands because it enables other brands to flourish and it keeps the, you know, the old dogs still in the power play of big, you know, corporate and it, it gives just more opportunity for totally. everybody. So going back to your career, you're, you're slowly making a name for yourself. What was your first like... Um, professional when did, like a when milestone did you turn pro? yeah how did you so, turn pro so Who did yeah you turn pro? so when i was riding for under the abc board house for at the time it was formula one skateboards um jim gray the owner at the time turned two of my peers pro before me and they were younger and they were on the team like less time than me mm. and i was super pissed yeah and there was no way to express that like I wasn't going to tell my team manager. I was like, what the fuck, dude? I kind of just got shoulder hopped. And I love these kids. But like, what the fuck? You know? So it's not but it, it's but, it, but it was, yeah. And, but it was, their, it was their talent. And their youthful drive at that point. Like, not that I was old, but at that point, like, maybe I wasn't doing what they thought or what Jim or the guys at Acme thought was like really high level progressive skateboarding. And so um, I bailed. You know, and then I rode for other companies for several years. And then at one point, I actually wasn't even a sponsored skateboarder. I just literally sold trees. I sold weed and was still skating. And eventually, um, a guy um, hit me up. And Anthony Carney is his name. He hit me up and he's like, hey, like, I don't know what you're doing these days, but you're ripping still. And I part of this new brand called Lethal Skateboards. It's brand new. The guy that owns it is also an owner in a couple of franchised Quizno sub sandwich places. <laughs> so there's some dollars, and I was like, "Hmm." So wait, you you got disenchanted with 
with being shoulder hop by like my peers of going pro because right. it's not like I ever wanted to and like you, I never thought like I'm gonna be a pro skater I just was still just letting the party go so was this in San Luis Obispo no I had back? moved I had moved home it was probably like 96 97 okay something like that and so I was just living in Seal I was living on 11th Street in an apartment in Seal smoking weed selling weed working at BJ's Pizzeria I think I probably had like truck sponsors or wheel sponsors I didn't have a board sponsor. But, um, yeah, so Anthony Carney hit me up, and he's like, dude, we'll turn you pro, and we'll pay you. And I was like, duh. Duh. That's freaking funny. Yeah, duh. Like, yeah. At the, I, I literally thought I was quitting skating, like, or quitting being a sponsored skater, you yeah. know? I was probably collecting, like... Was that, like, a year after? Two years after? It was probably, like, a year or so But after. you were always still skateboarding. Yeah, I was skating and, and filming and still part of, like, the life and the crew that my friends that were yeah. sponsored and stuff. But, like, I just thought, like, oh, it's not going to happen, like... It's all good. Like I'll keep getting trucks from this company and this two hundred dollar check from this guy and this guy and this guy and selling weed to make ends meet, you know. But then you know, Lethal Skateboards came along and they, they turned me pro. That was my first pro skateboard. And for wow. those that don't know, like turning pro in skates, like getting your own deck, yeah, signature board, yep. yeah, signature and board. You get a obviously you're getting paid from the company, but you're getting a royalty. So yep, I'm getting royalty on board sales yeah. and like working with an artist, Big Jim, to have graphics that represent my vibe and um i always you know just was grateful to be a part of kind of even smaller brands because i had more of a voice you know and so maybe <clears throat> at the time you know it wasn't like i was choosing like some like strategic career path like if well if i ride for this small board company maybe these other shoe sponsors aren't going to want to be a part of like my deal or anything it was yeah. just like oh cool these guys see something in me i'm going with it yeah you know it's organically happening yeah, I'm not out chasing it. Yeah. I don't have a manager. I'm not sending out sponsor me videos. You know, I just have stacks of footage because of my work ethic and, yeah. you know. But it's funny you started taking after your dad's footsteps. Oh, bro. <laughs> the apple does not fall far from the tree. So Luckily, it was of the herbal essence, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't like anything hard or to me, not gnarly. It's a plant. Yeah. Know? Yeah, you know, and I'm like not tripped out by saying that. That's just like I think a lot of people not at all had to do what they had to do to make yeah, ends meet, yeah. especially in that. Did you tell your guys. dad you were doing that? Oh, I don't think my parents. My mom ended up knowing later. She ended up, you know, years later she came along on trips with me and stuff like that. Like a trip to Europe, my mom came and would visit and stay in the place we were staying for a week and cook for my friends and like the skaters and stuff like that. She like, was, wow, you guys smoke a lot of weed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like just you know, she, she, do you never told your dad you sold weed too? Maybe, yeah. Maybe we had that. Maybe we breached that conversation at some point. Yeah, I'm sure. I maybe, think that's kind of funny. I know for sure, and I'm sure he, because that's where like, and not to sound like a psycho, I'm almost like, damn, am I just like literally a repeat of my dad? Like, just maybe a cleaner version, and like, I have to fix this so that my kid does not end up anything like me. We we end up like our parents somehow, some way, somehow, a some little way. bit. Yeah, right? for sure. So, so sure. you turned pro for Lethal. Yeah, turned pro for Lethal. Eventually, um, you guys obviously know him, Bill Keller. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, he Team was BK. Team BK. He was taking care of a lot of people at the time, and he gave two friends of mine, Mark Nisbet and Dave Hoang, a huge opportunity to produce a skateboard video for him called New Horizon. And because those are the guys that I filmed with, I ended up just being in the video and got to know BK when he was living somewhere right around here. You He's know? my neighbor. Yeah, okay, so, yeah, you know, Billy is a little fetus, and, you know, um, Deanna, is that her name, his mm -hmm. wife? Deanna. Deanna, Deanna you know, like, yeah. like and uh, 
what's his other name starts with a C? Caleb? Caleb. Yeah, Caleb was like, I mean, I'm talking like a newborn or whatever, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so um, that video put me on Robbie Jeffers' radar. New New Horizon. New Horizon. Okay. New Horizon was an independently produced skateboard video funded and produced by Bill Keller, filmed and edited by Mark Nisbet and Dave Hoang, who just happened to be my part of my skate crew. So that video really opened opportunities for me with, um, you know, Robbie Jeffers saw me and he had become the new team manager. We for just Stussy. interviewed him last week. So, yeah. So <laughs> his, his, his episode launches this Friday. Right. We, we were Work HSS alumni and stuff. I mean, did he's yeah. such a fucking small world. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and he is an amazing human being. Yes. And it was an amazing part of my life. Yeah. So he eventually hit me up and was like, hey. Starting a skate team for Stussy. Yeah. Because he put on Mulder, Montoya. So, so check this out. Mulder was the only one that rode for him. At that time, that was the first guy. And that was through a Christian connection, right? Christian. Like they were Christian. Yeah. They were like, that was a religious yeah. belief. Yeah. You know, there was some kind of connection there through Christianity. Um and somehow through BK, he saw me and was like, yeah, we talked on the phone. And like in one of my video parts for 411, I had a, a profile, like a, a professional video part in 411. It was like a, you know, it's like an interview in a magazine, you know? Yeah. So, and I had said like, you know, I'd like to thank God or something, you know? And like I, and I believe in my God and I believe there's, you know, there's a God of many things, but like, I'm not like a church guy, you know, yeah. I'm very, I'm more spiritual. So anyways... That connection wasn't made, but I think Robbie saw that and was like, oh, okay, this guy's a Christian too, you know? And so, anyways, I was the second guy on Stussy, and then I got Chad Tim Tim and Danny Montoya on, and Richard got Keith Huffnagel and Scott Johnston on. And so I was at Stussy at the dawn of that wow. that, that whole deal. Me and you, bro. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, Laura wrote for Stussy. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. like, you know, and I knew who you were because of Maddie Cameron and Ryan Simmons yeah. and like seeing you in the lineup at the pier and like staying out of your way. But like, or I'd see you like on the occasion, you, better, bro. you know, but on the, yeah. on the occasion that like Southside would break before Instagram annihilated everything. Yeah. When Southside, when we were, we were Southside, surfing Southside, like people from other places were like, thought we were assholes and like Southside sucked until they really, yeah. guys like you that knew what's up knew what was happening over there. And Dude. so getting a piece of it but that's how I knew who this guy was mainly through Matt Cameron but nice. then through Stussy I knew we were part of that at the same time yeah yeah it was a good so run amazing yeah it was so, like a really so good run you were already pro I was already pro and Robbie put you on Robbie puts me on and now there's a Stussy paycheck so there's a Stussy paycheck yeah. okay so Do you remember how much board paycheck Stussy paycheck some, some trucks some trucks. truck sponsors and things like that and then um, shoes wasn't until later I was getting shoes from like Duff's through Danny's rich, like uh, scenario like getting hooked up through my buddy's sponsors you know like yeah. I hadn't I didn't have like a solid shoe sponsor so you had time. a resurgence of a professional career totally I mean like it was almost like I got it later than most of my friends you know like mm -hmm. everyone when I was kind of like oh dude I don't know if this is gonna happen and everyone was climbing I was still there with them part of participating but like you know, we got to experience Stussy together. We had some amazing travel together, Chad and Danny and I, and, you know, traveling with Scott Johnson and Richard and Robbie and, and Huff. You know, we did, like, um, Australia and, and Europe yeah. together. Um, That's fascinating with the skate. Like, you know, you could be a little older, but, you know, as long as you're producing and you have that look or that vibe yeah. or that, you know, style or whatever, surfing's not like that, you know? It's like... Well, you guys are the same age. No, I'm just saying like... But there's, there's different ranks. There's, in like, it's hard to make a comeback or make a break into surfing. Totally, totally. Yeah, at a know, later stage. At a later stage. Yeah. 
And I mean, later is probably like early 20s yeah. for skating. You know, that's, that's literally, I think it was my early 20s, you know, yeah. um, or maybe mid. But yeah, so Stussy happened. And um, ultimately what, what happened there, and unfortunately, you know, I, I still love him. I'm sure Robbie still feels horrible, but eventually Robbie had to let me go. For what reason? I just didn't, didn't I, cut back. I or? just didn't have the right sponsors. I don't think it wasn't my work ethic. We'd go on trips and I would get things done, but I don't think. It, and I'm glad I got a chance to maybe even bring this up. Is like, in skating I was kind of always an outsider, and in surfing I was kind of always an outsider. You know, like guys in Sea would be like, "Oh, you surf pretty good for a skater." And then you know, in the skateboard world, I was like a skater who was kind of more surfy, and that wasn't really appreciated or even like an accolade that you could it's claim so weird right it wasn't even an accolade you could claim so i was kind of an outsider and now that would be your strength totally yeah. like now i'd be like so, what you're yeah. you're good in both like you're now unique and cool and so that's what's, what people look for now and that's but, what happened next after stussy I, I i've said this before and i don't know if i said it in a podcast or what skateboarders at in the 90s and and early 2000s and surfers, they kind of were against each other. 100%. They didn't really dig each other. Hundred percent. Like, fucking surfers. Yeah. And I think in the media and in in the, in the highlight, you know, in the spotlight. Yeah. yeah. But down deep. Yeah. Under like. Yeah. There was definitely connected but, roots. But within the industry, like, yeah, yes. it was. But, but, Jay Larson. Yeah. If you were just a skateboarder and you never surfed, yeah. you didn't respect surfers. Yeah, yeah that's it. Right? That's and that's it. Yeah. And that's what it came from. And at the time, I think that, um, you know, and like we're talking about Scott Johnston was writing for like chocolate and like the coolest brands ever. Richard was on chocolate. Keith Hupnagel was on Real. Danny was writing for Planet Earth or Rhythm. Chad was on World Industries. These guys were on like well-known companies i was writing for a small company called lethal yeah that was owned by a guy that owned quiznos you know yeah. like a couple quiznos you know so like are those even around anymore i don't even know quiznos yeah Quiznos is still around i think yeah, yeah i don't know so i mean i just i don't i wasn't really cool yeah i didn't have the right sponsors how, I long, how long did that last i think then? it was like two or three years you know a damn good run no it was a fantastic run and like Robbie was put in a really bad position, and, and after the fact, Danny and Chad revealed to me that they went to bat for me when because they, they knew first, like, hey, we're going to let him go. Like, they were like, dude, but what about this? And he's done this, and he brings all this to the table. Like, we wouldn't even be on the team without him. It wasn't Robbie; it was Frank. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. and so, <laughs> Frank, hey, yeah. you know what's crazy? Is years later, I went back to Stussy to visit, and Frank was like, Justin, I thought I fired you. Oh my god! And I was like. Oh my gosh! I'm glad you said that. Yeah, yeah. I no, wanted to sure. punch him right in his grill. Yeah, he's you know, yeah. but but definitely like Richard Mulder, Scott Johnson, and Huff probably respected my skateboarding, but I just wasn't part and, of the cool side of skateboarding. And to comfort your you a little bit too, I don't think Stussy team lasted that much longer after that. No, no, no. And there's now right? there's like, been multiple iterations of it since then, even you know, um, but. That was the heyday, I believe. Yeah, you know? for sure. We were getting paid great, and we were traveling the world, and we were staying in, like, five-star hotels. Like, Robbie had the Stussy card, bro. We were staying at St. Martin's Lane in London. Yeah. We, like, we went to dinner one time, and it was, like, the, the cast from X-Men. Like, Halle Berry's, like, right behind me, and, like, whatever one of the other actresses are, and then, like, David Schwimmer's stopping to visit him, and then the cast of the voices of The Simpsons are there. No we went and met, like, Matt Groening at the end of the bar, and, like... 
So every morning we'd go to skate, we'd meet in the lobby, and the paparazzi would be outside for them, but we'd be all stretching in the lobby, like cracking up, you know? That's like, yeah. hilarious. But that was so cool. that was Stussy vibes. What a great like Stussy time. budget. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm grateful for it. But Robbie, like I mean, he was in tears. Yeah. He didn't answer yeah. my phone calls for six months, but yeah. the checks kept coming, so I was like, okay, whatever. And then finally he answered the phone. He's like, you got to come in. And I brought my girlfriend at the time because I knew I was like, oh, this is gonna be heavy. Brought me in the office, whatever, just started bawling. We have to cut ties, bawling. I just gave him a hug, I'm like, dude, I get it, I love you. But I'd love to get like one last box. And then like any savage, yeah. I went haywire. Yeah. yeah. You know? Go out with a bang. R- Robbie yeah. talked about if Frank knew how much Stuff clothes gave I gave away to like just oh. people because they, had, that's how you they had the dopest gear. Yeah, they had, and, and dude. He's all, we, we laugh like, you don't think anything left that building without Frank knowing. Like, yeah, Frank. No, for sure. <laughs> He was probably just happy to write it off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But so, yeah, you know, eventually I took a lot of what I had from Stussy and went to like a Buffalo Exchange up in LA. Yeah. And like literally they had to call the owner of Buffalo Exchange to come and sign a check because it was for like almost five grand. Yeah. Yes. Because I was just boxes of Stussy there just yeah. all, wait, what? This, yeah. all this? I'm like, yeah, dude. So they called the owner. He like came down and was like, where'd you get all this? And I explained, like I rode for them didn't work out and yeah. now this is like my severance package so yeah. if you don't want to buy it it's all good but if you do let's do this yeah so that was my my Too exit bad ebay yeah. and let go and oh, everything I could, else wasn't dude, around I could, I could still be buying i could have bought houses with what i had <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. no, do you remember i don't know if you remember it but there was a, a big four letterman's jacket that said like oh. london france paris la yeah right and it was a letterman's jacket like years later a friend of mine was like that jacket you had now is going for like ten grand in Japan or something. I have a uh, Stussy pea coat in the garage hanging. So it's probably someday. worth some dollars. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. With so, a white little stripe in the back. I wish I had the kept wool, all of it. Pea coat. Yeah, bitchin'. Dude, my kids, I had stuff in the garage. Duncan yo-yo in a package. They freaking tore it open. Like yeah, Swiss like Army relics. Swiss Army knife. Stussy. Yeah, that yeah. was collab. Uh, I think it was. I think I even have a G-Shock. No, I, it might have been a, a swatch, a swatch or a Swiss Army knife watch. I still have. I think I remember that. Like, we did some that. weird random stuff. No, you're right. Like, they I had one of those watches. I'm like, what are you guys doing? The one Stussy thing that I really I could have got regret. twelve dollars for that that yo-yo. <laughs> no, right. <I'm> just <laughs> but the one thing of Stussy that I wish I had kept was um, a pair of the sunglasses. Yeah. But it had clear lenses. But yeah. they were UV protected, but they were clear. Yeah. yeah. And they were just like bitching. Yeah. You know? Stussy. Flavor, man. Yeah. made some amazing product over the years. Yeah. I So I rode and Maddie Moak was there. And yeah. I was getting that paid was a, that era. I was getting paid a boatload from uh, Oakley. He's like, yeah, we just, Oakley's lame. Like, we want you to, you know, wear the Stussy eyewear. And. I'm like, okay, well, you got to pay me what they, you know, what they're paying me, then it's all good. You know, he's like, okay, so they got me a year later, like, yeah, we're not doing the sunglasses anymore, and I'm like, mofos, yeah, you know, yeah. like, yeah. just you know, decisions of, and I get it, you know, just bummer. And that's like the the non glamorous side of yeah. professional surfing yeah. and skateboarding, right? As yeah. those like those backstories were like, oh You're shit, like, yeah. Well, you live high on the hog for a long time, or yeah, it's fleeting, yeah, yeah. And feast or famine, like you know, like that's how it was when I when I started getting it. I was so tell, it. like, where did you go, like travel wise, like on this on? So with Stussy, I did like Australia and then Europe, and then 
I think that's probably most of what I did. I don't think I did Japan with him. I did Japan later. Um, but like all through Europe. Just, Australia. Just, yeah, so Australia. I've done Europe, Australia, Japan. So going back real quick and, and to make it clear, you you came back from San Luis Obispo. You were selling weed. Yep. Living in Seal. Just turned pro for lethal, lethal skateboards. And then was that like... The Stussy thing came, like pretty much right after that, because so I had I had a professional right? career and I filmed this video part for Four One One, and I put like my will into it, you know, and not so much my skill, but my will, and I think that always shined for me. It's just like, damn, this dude tries hard, yeah, you know, and I think that's what I, that's I never I cannot rest on my skill set. You 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 like hit hard and it came to fruition. Mm-hmm. And you know, but again. Not and it alone. for what three a three year run with, yeah, with Stussy, Stussy and yeah. Lethal and yeah yeah totally and you're and making damn good money good money and so from that but again I have to give full credit to someone like Bill Keller who facilitated those things created yeah. the opportunity to be a part of New Horizon after that video part put me on the radar of Robbie Jeffers uh, Robbie Jeffers and then Robbie seeing a value in me and giving me an opportunity to shine on certain things and bringing me on trips where maybe those guys didn't think I was the coolest but would let my skateboarding speak for itself, you know? Yeah. And then, I can't forget this, I broke my femur. What? In, in Febru- on February 19th of 2000. Dang. And I rode for Stussy then. And Robbie came and visited me in the hospital. How, Stussy paid how? me through my recovery. Skating a handrail. Dang. Clean break. I have a 17-inch titanium rod in my right femur still to this day. But Robbie came... Was my only sponsor at the time that came to the hospital visited me. Yeah, you know, like they paid me through my recovery, which was probably close to like twenty months total. Wow, you know, and like believed in me, and I came back and skated for probably another four or five years. Some of the best skateboarding I did was after that happened. Dang. But that was a personal experience that changed my whole like spiritual existence. I think as a, like a human being, hmm. you know. Yeah, you know. I mean, that's the that's really traumatic. Yeah, and it, I think it like the. The like dickhead kid, you know that like I think a lot of people are at that yeah. age. You know, I, I didn't. Well, mean that, to be... you, you're always invincible at that young age. You're like, ah, oh, whatever. I'm gonna, yeah. nothing's gonna hurt me. Whatever breaks and cuts and whatever. But that is like a yeah. You a can skate. You can skate with a broken arm. You can yeah. skate with broken fingers and things like that. But when I broke my femur and I was laid up for, I'll put it this way, dude. I didn't have an erection for nine months. Wow. There was so much atrophy. My penis didn't work for nine months. So. That will change a man's soul. Wow. Uh, big time. That's probably the first time that's ever been said on Late Night with Chalky. Yeah, but, yes. But, but, it's, but I'm telling you, at the core of who I was as a creature, that was is, like changed. That is all your man. Because you couldn't do anything that you wanted yeah, I mean, I to t- do. I, I took a leak and I took a dump and barely on my own. And how, how, how's it now? Like... As far as it made a kid, not your wiener, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> but your 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 my your functionality, your functionality, things functionality like your body, your movement. You know, like twenty months you were laid up, or I was, twenty months. So you like, were like like before he's back to so nine days in the hospital, and if you ever look up like a femur surgery, it's like definitely the most violent surgery in the human body. They oh, I watched dis- it. They dislocate your leg yeah. and it lays over you, and they come in from the top of the hip and they pound. A rod through your thing. It's maybe different now, but mine specifically, that's what they did. It's like a piece of lead going back into a pencil, you know? Yeah. So in the hospital nine days, in bed laid up for three months, then on crutches for another nine months, then a cane, 
than physical therapy that whole time for close and to two years. When, how old were you when this was happening? So that was t- 2000, so uh, 21 years ago. So I was 20, Did you have 22. No. I didn't have health insurance. And that's which, another thing in the industry which, that's huge. Which is, again, you know, contracts, you know, taxes, insurance. Yeah. Like. Those are like the, that's the dark side of the industry that no one really understands until you learn the hard way. Unless you have a manager or you have a parent that's so involved. And, you and, know, you know yeah. I feel like. And that's part of life. And I feel like it's part of the, you know, the company's responsibility too. I'm getting these little groms that are, you know, getting paid money. And yeah, maybe some have good guidance from parents, but they should always. Yeah, and even now, you know, I look back, besides the big contracts that I scored through the bigger companies, like, even to this day, skateboarders don't make good money, you know, and I know pro surfing's definitely, in the last couple years, made massive cutbacks to, like, the salaries that existed for guys that were living on the, you know, high on the hog for a long time, you know? Yeah, a long time. But, um, yeah, I didn't have insurance, and so I learned a lot about myself, obviously, but, like, the, the dickhead kid was shed. At least I think I don't. I've tried not to be a dick since then. Obviously, yeah. I'm, I'm alone human. I can't picture you ever having a bad attitude or being but, a. But do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I was never malicious. I never like was an evil person or had bad intent. But like, I've I've I like attitude to think attitude and just by yeah. yeah I, I like to think I've never burned a bridge. But like you know, I've probably done things and mostly to like chicks when you're a young dude. You know, and like I don't want to say I was a player or anything. But like most of the mistakes I made you in my life were, were just you know what I mean. You just mistreat people. You know, yeah. and like take advantage of. Yeah, situations. Yeah, and not in like some creepy way, but no. just in a way where like, man, like you're, at, you're I wasn't. You're a teen, you're a young 20, yeah. horn dog. You're a heathen. Yeah. That's what Robbie used to call us. Yeah. You know, like, hey, heathen. Yeah. Hey, little heathen. So, so um, after, after Stussy, so what happened after Stussy? So after Stussy and after Lethal, and I don't even remember how that kind of fell apart. I think Kareem Campbell... Kareem Campbell. Kareem Campbell brought action footwear to the attention of the guy that owned Lethal. And so a new uh, distribution company was formed, and then he started City Stars through the same place as Lethal. But Lethal was more like a zero kind of a hash company, and City Stars is obviously what it was. So action footwear and, and City Stars kind of became the focus of that, and Lethal was shortly thereafter was like, done. Okay, yeah, done. You know, and good for Cream. He created an opportunity, a business opportunity, and did what he did. You know, but um, was to the demise of Lethal. Hmm. So after that, I met a guy named Ronnie Goodnow, and he gave me the opportunity to own a board company with him called Origin. So you you became partners with somebody. Yeah, with Ronnie Goodnow, he had a connection with a wood shop in Ontario, um, and so we just had small runs of boards. I helped do graphics and built a small team, and then did you have to put your own money in it, or no? So he no. he had the money. He needed somebody that was established yeah. and knew the connections and yeah. could do some marketing. And even to this day, I don't even know where that came from. <laughs> wow, you know, those are questions that I didn't ask. It was just like, yeah, cool. I get to be a part of this, and I have this much creative input, and we're going to be running ads and origin, origin skateboards, yeah. And so I had a, a really good run with them, traveled to Japan with them. And then through all of this, through all this time, I was painting because of the graffiti influence and things that I had from earlier. So after Stussy, we were at a trade show. Ronnie made a connection with a company called Evos. The evolution of skate is what Evos stood for. And it was a shoe company backed by Avia. You remember Avia? Yeah. Right? 
So they were just they right were a over shoe here. company too, right? They were a massive shoe yes. company. And Running they, and yeah, exactly. Action like, like yeah. footwear, you know, like uh, or sports footwear. And they had that boot company called Novatos. You remember that? Like, yeah. They were in journeys all over the place. So Ronnie had a connection there with a guy named Lawrence LaHaye, who actually designed the first half cab. Lawrence was the designer of Evos, and somehow, some way, I got a pro shoe through them. Damn. And that's when the real money came. The real money came. Like what? two two years that put me in debt. You're like, uh, skip two, the skate shops, go straight to journeys. Two and years that's what of happened. what? <laughs> two years of real money is what really put me into debt. Because I made the real money and I spent the real money. So wait a minute. This guy. Ronnie, yeah. Who he is designed like the, the half cap. Oh yeah, Lawrence LaHaye was the head designer at the time of Evos, of Evos footwear. It was me, Adam McNatt, another guy. I mean, another couple guys. They they um, made a skate. Yeah, shoe we had brand a, we had a skate shoe brand called that Evos. Went straight to big box. Yeah, to Journeys. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and so my shoe went to Journeys, and so I was like, yes, where do I sign? Cool, and I get two versions. I'm gonna get two models, a brown one and a black one, and I get to help design it. Sick. Of course, I'm gonna say yes. Okay. Dang. You know, and this was late, late in my career. After I broke my femur. Yeah. You know, this is like, holy mackerel, I didn't think I'd ever even be able to skate again. But now I have this opportunity. Fuck. And so it's all these outlier brands and crazy, like... I've never just, heard of Evos. Yeah, no, so, most people so, most people wouldn't. So, Justin, the, the shoe was sold at Journeys. Mm-hmm. For how long? Long enough to make good money for two years. Wow. Yeah. And so what's crazy even and is I got paid. did they advertise it? Like, did they? Yeah, no, we ran ads. We ran ads even in Thrasher. And, you know, you like, and we ran commercials in 411 and things like that. But it was so low key. I mean, you could go back and look now and be like, oh, yeah, okay. It, it was there. Well, I bet the journeys, you know, which usually approach brands saying, like, we need part of this market and not cool, you know. Like it's exactly what happened. They're, they're I'm sure not, they came to. They're not like, they can't get anybody from, you know, DVS yeah. or... You know, the company, the I, mother company was ASG, American Sporting Goods. Or, and so, yeah, so you know, they, so they're yeah. coming American Sporting Goods saying like, oh, you guys have Novatos, which is this kind of like private label boot company for us. You have Avia, which is this like sports Sport footwear. Runner. And then we should tap this, Get a skate. this, this skate extreme, this extreme yeah. culture. Yeah. And, and, and the, the way that works is they're like, look, we're going to buy this many. Correct. You know, like. We need, you know, create some school, you know, you know, cool, exactly, like, you yeah. know, exactly so how you it said works. you're, you, you, that is what forced you into debt. So you made, well, yeah, I made serious money. Yeah. Like that, basically exactly what you just said. Obviously my pay was based on those quantities that journeys pre-booked yeah. or said like, yeah, we're going to make this many. And they had the ties to the factory. I mean, it was all very For incestuous, sure. yeah. you know, pe- 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 or, you but know, it went straight right. to big box. It didn't straight. try to and get, what's crazy is it wasn't trying to get into actives or pharmacy. No, no or, way. I don't even know if my skate shoes actually ever made it into a core skate shop. They might not even been into furnace my, my shop sponsor, you know? At that point, I didn't even care. Yeah, yeah. It's like, dude, I'm making money. This is sick. Yeah, yeah. You know? Because that's the thing about making money is and tasting the forbidden fruit. Yeah. Like opening Pandora's box. You're like, uh. Yeah. I. And, you know, my mom always told me, cool doesn't pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. And so it might not have been the coolest brand, but to me, what's cooler than having your name in a shoe as a skateboarder? So, so that, that, that to me so is cool. you had a skate deck pro board and then a couple years later 
Did you ever think that you would have an opportunity to he have broke his your... femur? He's washed yeah. up and yeah. done. I know. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm never. In I'm my trying life to thought. exemplify and amplify this situation. It's incredible. It's yeah. I it's never, crazy. I never in my mind. Because <laughs> think that. of all the other skateboarders in this world that ripped ten times harder than me that never got a shoe. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and I think it again. It comes down to like my will. Or my spirit, or some other deeper connection. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Who you know and who you meet. And it this wasn't guy, your skill; it was your will. That's it, that's it man. Yeah. And that really is. It's always been that for me. And like my my vibe, just just like overly positive. Like I'm super altruistic to a to a fault, where I'm sure okay. people just I get tired it. of it. You know. I love it. Okay, so that launches. Did you guys have like a, a launch party? Or it wasn't anything like that. It was like. Sick, dude. How many shoes did you guys make, and how many journeys is it going to? Rad. Cool. How much is this check? What we get, for you is like we I'm going to make some per money. shoe. What was the contract? It wasn't a even dollar? really. It wasn't even. It wasn't even really, I, I think that the number was based on the quantity, but I'll say this: it was 220 grand a year for two years. A two-year Damn. contract at 220 grand a year. That's a, that's big. Shut bucks. the fuck up. I swear. You made 220 G's. Two years in a row. Off a shoe. Off a shoe that no skateboarder probably ever saw. That is, you made fucking awesome two hundred twenty <laughs> grand yeah. a year for, for two, two years in a row. Where did you? Where did you? Where did you go? Where was the trip you went with? So, how many Hummers? So 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 I didn't do any of that. I didn't do any of that. I don't even. I don't even. I don't even. I don't even. No, I don't even know where it went. Wow! You didn't buy a boat. A Nothing. Property? Hot rod. That's my story. A lower truck. Nothing. None of that. Some paint pins. I still drove a Dodge Neon. Yeah. I bought maybe like, you know, I had a 1972 Westphalia. But basically all I did was just take care of my crew. Yeah. I took my buddy Zach to Europe with me on a trip, paid for everything, gave him per diem. Went on, just sponsored everything. You know? Yeah. So ultimately, like, I obviously put myself in debt. Yeah. Yeah. But the success to me wasn't about like... Wow, money equals property equals like uh, you know material yeah. success. This this because how me, old were you then? I mean, twenty four. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Twenty four, yeah. twenty five. So you're still naive. I'm still a fetus, bro. Yeah, you're still, still naive. I still you're, don't even know. know what I'm signing. There's no lawyers present. I'm just like, what? Yeah, cool. Yeah, a twelve thousand dollar check uh, every month. What? What? Wait, what? Okay, cool. Yeah, right here. No worries. Oh, you want me to sign again? Wow. Golly. Uh, you know what? And all I have to show for it is a good time. My a smile. Couple, <laughs> a couple of shoes in the closet. Yeah. A couple of shoes in the rafters. Hey, guys, they're signed. They're really nice and expensive. Yeah. Justin, yeah. that is. And, but that was through American. Crazy. That was through American Sporting Goods. You know, good for like you. it was through. I mean, what a great. Like, yeah. I mean, what a, what a great story. almost success story. Yeah. No, but you know what I mean? Like, I mean, my success has always been. My happiness. Yeah. You know, and I share my happiness with the people that I love. Yeah. And that's really what I have to, to show a fault. for. To a fault. Yeah. To a fault. To a debt. To a yeah. debt. Yeah, to a debt. So when I met my wife, she's like, sick. So this is my debt now too. Oh. You know? But, you know, but thankfully we're out of that debt, you know? But like, yeah. you know, I could have had multiple houses, multiple properties, multiple businesses. I mean, like I just was, I'm just who I am. I've never been financially motivated. To me, it was just like, Cool. I always wanted to keep the party going and just be with the boys, and now it's like going to be really good, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I don't you know. even think most of my friends even knew how much money I was making or how much money I had. <laughs> yeah, they'd be pissed. Yeah, that I didn't. Is I didn't. So 
I didn't know how much money I had. Yeah. So in two years, you made half a million bucks. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. And I owed a lot of money in taxes. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, and I, 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 la- I'm, I laugh and I'm, I'm not making fun of you at all. No, no. I wouldn't and even I, take... I, I, myself, I laugh I just, it. I just like... I, I'm overwhelmed on how many surprises I'm hearing from this one little story. This is just from this, one and this is just my this is just my Filipino. yeah this is my little existence <laughs> on planet Earth. This one little peon walking the planet. Like, it's so it's so ridiculous. It's, it's so oh, amazing. Dude, and we haven't like I couldn't even get into this the funny stuff. You know. <sighs> oh, we're so, gonna get into but it. But you know what I mean. Like, yeah, I, it, it, so, it's it's great. It's okay, great. Yeah. So yeah. so you you lived through that. Yeah, I blew that. So what happened? Like. It just stopped. They the, didn't the do either. They, said, they, you know, they just gonna... and dude, half the shoes that pre-booked never even made it from the factory to Journeys. Wow. So there could be some psychotic container or ten of my shoes somewhere on the planet that never even made it to the mall. It was just like a two-year flash in the pan. But and you you got paid for. I got, oh, I got paid. Yeah, for sure. I got that paid. That's so crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what happened after that? <laughs> After that, it's all downhill. Yeah. No. 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 no, 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 no but, like, no, but after that, after that, um, so at a trade show, at the Evos trade show booth, the shoe company. ASR. Yeah. Exactly. ASR in San Diego. I, again, I was creating art through this whole time, and obviously, I had a lot of creative freedoms because of people or handlers that gave me the op- these opportunities saw something in me where it let them shine by letting me me shine. Right. So I'm like having an art show, my own art show on my own booth. Like, dude, this is so ridiculous. One of the booths, they spent like $4,000 to have like an eight foot by 40 foot vinyl wrap of one of the pieces I painted blown up to that thing and wrapped the outside of our trade show booth. And bro. what kind of art are we talking about? Like Just mixed media, like hand-drawn stuff, mixed with spray paint, collage, just really graffiti-based, but never like not refined you kind of didn't just really... abstract just yeah. like yeah. just a freaking stoner surfer skater thing that you probably see now but you put time into it oh you yeah no like did, for, years. for yeah, years for years for years you know it was a part your, of my life your look yeah i never claimed to be an artist i always claimed to be a con artist oh you know yes somehow and... i conned my way but even though i wasn't really conning people no, like no. i conned them with my charm or something that they gave me this opportunity to live this charmed life it's yeah. it's pretty amazing. So 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 I'm having this art show. Yeah. I just and my art show. I just mean my art is on the outside of this booth, right? A forty for by Evos. forty for Evos. Yeah. And Michael Marks, later to become the head of Spy. Okay. Right. He was a part, and he was the COO of OP, and they started. They were starting a small division of OP called Seven Two. Seven two. Seven two. Like nineteen seventy two when OP was started. So I vaguely remember that. Yep. So, so you're gonna trip on this stuff, but so he came by the booth and he was one of the early guys in the industry that saw the value in like, wait, this guy surfs, skates, artist, and, and he's this artist. This is the future of what this industry is going to become. These types of characters are going to be the ones that I'll be showcased because it's not just this one dimensional you're thing. You're not the Totally. One of the masks. But what he would always tell me too is like, you're the most Southern California kid there is. You're true to your roots. And that's what we're selling the world is to the, the California dream. You the surf, lifestyle. you skate, you're an artist, you're a musician, you're 
you're the most California kid I've ever met. Wow. So Without he, the blonde hair. Blue yeah, hair. exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, a little rough around the edges. But he approached Ronnie Goodnow, and I came back to the booth after doing whatever you do at a trade show, and he's like, yeah, dude, some guy came by, was psyched on your art, and he wants to talk to you. I was like, all right, cool, whatever. Got in touch with me, and like, dude, then came the next epic contract. And I had, I think, three or four good years there. And so with 7-2, I traveled a bit. Are you fucking kidding me? Dude, the first trip I had on 7-2, I met Jamie Brissick and his wife at the time, Gisela. Rest her soul. soul. Um, I met Jamie Brissick. I was still high on ecstasy from the night before at Halloween at Mahe. (laughs) I was on, on the plane. Amazing. I was on the plane raging. Went to the bathroom, came out, and Jamie Brissick's like, you're one of us. You've got to be one of the P72 guys on the plane, one of the talent. What's your name? I'm like, I'm Justin Reynolds. He's like, oh, yeah, cool. I'm Jamie. I'm going to be shooting all this stuff here. This is my wife, Gisela. She'll be filming and stuff like that. Nice to meet you. And I was just like, rad, cool. You know, like, this is sick. But my first trip for that company was to stay in Jack Johnson's dad's house at Rocky Lefts. Dang. That was my first trip for 72. They got the house at Lonnie's. Like the big wigs stayed at the house at Lonnie's. Like Michael Marks and Jason Murray was shooting. Yeah. Remember Jason yeah, Murray? For sure. Jason Murray was shooting all the uh, surf stuff. Um, it was me, Teddy Navarro. Nice. Um, Greg and Rusty Long. And um, she's Erica Hosini. She was a baby. She was there. Um, another guy, I don't remember... That's from the South Sean, something he works for Independent Fleece now, the sweatshirt stuff. He's a rep, Sean. He's a, Sutton? No. no, no. Um, you know who I'm talking about, though. Sean, not, not Sean Ward. No, no, no. But Sean Taylor? Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. So Sean Taylor was there as a sponsor surfer, and then Matt Beecham and his chick. No. I that was the talent crew. And so it was Michael Marks, Jason Murray. Jamie um, Brissick. Jamie Brissick. Um, Eric. So there's Eric big money. G. Oh, dude, it's OP money. That was going to start. It's OP money. 72. Yeah, 72, yeah. And what was the product like? Was it kind of cool? Was, or it was, was it supposed to be full? edgy surf. Yeah. But. And so it was like the dawn of, it was like what came before Insight came, and that was my next step. But like, it was like, this is supposed to be this edgy, cool but surf what was thing. Because <clears throat> I almost think Hollister. It kind of was. It kind of was. It was like a, a touch of a 72 heritage. With some updated, at the time, patches. Did they ever make it to market? I don't know. I don't even remember. <laughs> I, just I, took, I just took the checks and went on the trips. What was the check? Uh, I think it was two years for 100 grand. So it's 50 grand a year. Yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it made it to I market. I don't think it. I never heard of it. And if it did, it wasn't in I mean, we had full-blown trade show booths, but Michael yeah. took my graffiti-inspired stuff. We ran ads. I got ads ran in Tokyo. So, so this Tokion. is Tokion Magazine. Yeah. yeah. I had a feature uh, as an artist in um, Paper Magazine. Paper? Yeah. So this was like part of the, where the con artistry came from is that Michael saw something in me, Michael Marks, that he, he gave you. He's just like, dude, he gave you all these, bring your sketchbooks in. Scanning my drawing, you know, Eric, the art guy was scanning in all my graph so you, and all you my were like letters the mu- his muse totally. for this brand for the skate side of it yeah because yeah. it was surf and skate it was supposed it was like an early ruka is basically wow. what it was is what ruka is now is what michael was trying to build through seven two and so through seven two i'm fucking blown away right the now. first so that first trip on the north shore i surfed the north shore you would talk about surf trips that was my first like real actually on a trip 
with a surf brand and I'm on a dock, Steve Folly's 6.0 dock single fin, swallowtail, surfing Rockies, you know? And Teddy Navarro is like at the time, like on the ranks and Greg and Rusty are who they are at the time. Greg's like the beginning of his big wave charging, you know? And I'm just this skater dude staying at Jack's dad's house, that little triangular house at Rocky Lefts, right on the path. Tripping balls, dude. Like, wow, this is insane, dude. And like going and seeing um, so Jay, was that going like, and seeing Jay Boy at Steve's ramp, Chol, Steve Cholo's bowl when yeah, they yeah, built yeah. it. And Jay Adams was living in his little shed there. Like Jason Murray was doing um, concussion magazine on the side of his surf, um, you know, yeah. trade, you know. So I was a part of all that. And then I had the opportunity <laughs> to bring on Ray Barbie. I brought Ray aboard, DJ Greyboy, Andreas Stevens, who I was close with because I sold him weed when he yeah. lived in Long Beach and bought the Killingsworth <laughs> in Belmont. So I brought DJ Greyboy, Ray Barbie, and myself, and then I put on art shows in New York and in Paris, all through 72. Wow. Mm-hmm. So crazy. The all, before, yeah, all before, this was maybe... Right before I met my wife, so this was probably 2002 to 2004. 2001 to 2004. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, dude. And like, you know, at the time, Happy Magazine. Yeah. Yeah. They gave me an opportunity to write an article. I still have the Happy Mag. They gave me like a 20-page expose where I got to write about my art show in France and my my art show in Paris. And this, it was called Trip the Light Fantastic. And our crew was called Porcelain Poets. And so that was all facilitated through Michael Marks in 7-2. And I met incredible people, obviously, at OP France um, that were amazing human beings that took care of us while we were out there. I met a, We met a guy named Gary Maidment who ran, um, I forget what the magazine was, but this European snowboard mag. We went and stayed at his house in Bida in the south of France and did whatever we did there. You're, you're flying high with just like, I'm just so who's who. And it's just all underground. Like no one knows who the fuck I am. No one knows the name Justin Reynolds as like this guy that's getting to go and do all these things. Michael saw that early and created that opportunity for guys that like now like Alex Nost and you know, like Ford Archibald and like the guys that, you know, uh, uh, Jared Mill, the surfer artist type yeah, guys. Yeah. Like, not that, that I invented any of that or anything, yeah. but like Michael gave me an opportunity to do those things and created that avenue for other people to kind of get in there. Obviously, Thomas Campbell was already doing his fucking thing, you know? Like, I'm not making any psychotic claims, but Michael gave me the opportunity to yeah. do that. It happened to you. Yeah, yeah. it happened. You, you, you were yeah. a part of that. Yeah, that art like, movement, movement and that, yeah. that surf, skate, art, music, DJ Greyboy, freaking legendary Ray Barbie, you know, like yeah. putting on events at Meow House in LA with Ray playing and DJ Greyboy DJing, you know, which later set up opportunities to do seven inches with Greyboy through Insight, you know, and just crazy, crazy stuff, dude. I went, I was on in that movie Unsalted. I got to surf four of the five Great Lakes. I went with Teddy Navarro and Joe Curran. I traveled with Joe Curran, Tom's brother. Like Sick. Joe Curran's the awesome. homie. He's amazing. Yeah, I did a lot of trips with him. Yeah, he's amazing. He's, amazing. Yeah. he's a trippy, mellow. So mellow. Tri- trippy dude. So mellow. But wow. like surfing. Your story the just keeps getting so. Dude, it's all, to, even to me, I swear to you, Lyndon, I'm just grateful every single day. I've just lived such I a charmed it. life, bro. And I don't like. There, this was all before Instagram and being braggadocious and having yeah. all these things. Like you said, like well, these are just things yeah. in my rafter, dude. Magazines well, and things, you what, know. Like what we love 
about our our podcast and our outlet is is we get to bring in interesting people that aren't you know so brash about like or you know yeah. arrogant you know it's not about no one that. knows who the fuck I am I know but, that but, you but know? I, nobody goes out and <laughs> says and we talk about it, nobody goes out and says like oh I did this, this. this and this yeah and this is just you know hearing your journey yeah. and your story yeah this and is, we don't know me and Lyndon were like I have fucking no idea you did all this Man, this, this is, is I do some stuff you're but. so under the radar like Wikipedia and, and Google don't know half no, the shit. No. They're like fucking blowing. The only Google image you could probably even find of me is a Tampa Pro like profile shot from when I was there it's, in whatever year. Yeah. It's, so, okay. It's so Thank God. Awesome. I know. Right? So go, Thank God I escaped the internet before the internet turned super psycho. Yeah. So, so. But that's why we have an this outlet, you know? Yeah. And like, the, you know. 72. Yeah. I've fucking never heard of it. I remember. You, you can I, go back and I look do. now. You can I go back. You can go back any, and look inkling of it so that was like that was that was michael mark's genius man to this day after he left he even secured another year contract with me and eric um damn i want to he's he's one of the partners in um electric eric crane eric crane crano yeah Yeah, so eventually crano and gary siskar started uh, well they ran they ended up he gary siskar i think eventually um started uh altamont or some other anon yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, with, exactly. With in, in the snowboard world, yeah. yes. So those guys eventually took over after Michael Marks went to Spy and became what he was at Spy, um, and then I was with those guys for a year, and they let you know let me use my talents, and then somehow like I was on Vestal too, Marty the One Man Party. You know, he gave me ads, and I was I was on. Wow, so listen to how psychotic you this is. You wrote for Vestal too. Listen to how psychotic this is. This is how psycho my story. You know, is that, Dave Bonaventure is one of our best friends too. Dude, I don't even know who that is. That's how I don't. He's, I just he's don't. one of the, the men, men behind the scenes, so, like you. Yeah, so he, he started. Yeah, so so I'm sure I met him. But at the time, it was Chris Friel, Chris Friel, and Marty the One Man Party. Yeah, those were my guys. Well, they're the front men of the brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't meet anyone else. I got watches and like occasionally cool stuff happened. But listen, how psychotic this is. While I'm in Europe having an art show in Paris, Vestal runs the back page of. Rolling Stone, or the inside back page of Rolling Stone ad of me Dang. to support my art show in Paris. Wow. How psychotic is that? Dang, that's big bucks. In Rolling, Rolling Stone, Stone magazine. Rolling Stone, a Vestal ad bucks. in Rolling Stone. It's, it's back page spread. Rolling Stone. Then, yeah, like, Rolling but, Stone like, magazine. But the placement is everything too. Yeah. And that's like one of the... It's like getting the cover... Because it's... Anything cover, back cover, front cover. Because... Undercover. At the time, it's like... Probably who's this fucking guy that we have on the team, this skater that's having an art show in Paris that's yeah. part of 7-2. Like, we'll support that. Didn't give me any money for the trip, but that came out while I was there. Wow. Psycho, dude. Psycho. Psycho. Yeah. Yeah. I'm nothing. I am no one. But that shit happened. <laughs> and you got all of this. Yeah, I got, a, I got all of it in a I fucking shitty cardboard box somewhere up in my rafters in one of those freaking black and yellow tubs from Home Depot. Sick. You know, that's my history. It's just up there somewhere. That's the cloud in my house, you know? That's the cloud. Yeah. So, you know, it's not so, on any social media. So, after 72, then what happened? So, then, so check it. We're having this art show in New York through 72, and my boy, Zach Kinnon, him and I are driving across the country for an art show in New York called Cross the Nation. I had 12 crosses handmade by Remy Stratton's father, Craig Stratton, rest his soul. 
Craig had a kite factory and was a woodworker, an amazing freaking woodworker, and he built me these crosses. So I got him to 12 artists, commissioned this show, and then I drove those that, crosses. Wait, can you explain that again? It was a show called the show Across called, the yeah, Nation? called Cross the Nation. Cross the Nation. Because we were going to drive my, my Ford F-150 across with the crosses. nation with crosses in the back of it, me and my buddy Zach and my dog, out to a show in New York at 112 Green Street. Folly and the crew and everyone else that was in the show were going to fly out there and meet me. Zach and I are the only ones driving across. It's the first stop was in um, Philadelphia at a place called Minnow, which was a skate shop, and then eventually um, 112 Green Street, where License to Ill was recorded in New York, which is fucking crazy. I had an art show in the fucking studio where License to Ill Beastie Boys. Beastie Boys was recorded. Wow. 112 Green Street. Anyways, Cross the Nation, I get these 12 artists to paint these crosses, and... So wait, who who came up with this concept? No, this is just all me. This is just me like, oh cool, I'm gonna have a career in art. This is another little avenue of like hustle, like because you're getting you're getting because, rewarded. Yeah, Michael's like, your, like Michael's like, dude, here's here's what you get paid now. And I wasn't like, cool, I'm gonna put it away. I'm like, no, dude, let's put a show on, you know, in New Reinvest. York. Yeah. You know, well, let's do this. You you just had somebody validate your art, yeah. right? With mm-hmm. with Michael, yeah. then the stall yeah. put you in the back of Rolling Stone, and that magazine. was that was our show in, in Paris. Yeah, so, so we backed that up with the next the next project was Cross the Nation in New York. And did you know, or did you pick up on like the artists? And I'm not saying you do everything for money, but like it was it was just all about keeping the party going. Yeah, these were art parties, you know. Yeah, these were art parties. These weren't art shows. How did you like come up with the cross like idea? It was like, hey, we're gonna cross the nation. Like, oh, dude, let's make some crosses. I'll have Strato's dad make me wooden crosses, mm-hmm. and whatever the artist sees it as, someone's gonna paint it upside down for sure. Someone like my homie Blake that owns a good bar in Long Beach, he made his into a ukulele and cut it out and made it a functional ukulele. Like Steve Foley did his rendition of what he thought it was. So we have this art show across the nation. And we drive across the country, and but we bring our fishing gear. And so we're, we, this is a funny part too. We meet a guy named Stoney Phillips and a guy named Steve McNutt. <laughs> I know Steve McNutt. Steve McNutt. Snowboarder? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> we met him in Oklahoma. He owned a shop out in the middle of fucking Nowheresville, right? Steve McNutt. Stoney Phillips is his like. 5150 guy. So there you go. Yeah. So his random buddy, Stoney Phillips, who at the time we found out later was an amateur porn dude, we meet them at a skate <laughs> demo that we meet up with some friends in Oklahoma. So you're, you're bringing your skate, you're bringing your... I'm just doing me, dude. You're like, we're going to surf, we're going to fish. We're loading the freaking F-150 with everything, and we're, how many stops did you make? How many days until uh, you got to... Oh, it took us two weeks to get there. Perfect. Yeah. So, so we you just, weren't rushing, you're like, no, no, let's we were, pit stop we were, and hang out. Yeah, we were just on tour. Did you bring a camera and took, like, yep. content? Yeah. Yep. Cool. Yep, yep. Did all that. And so, like, I mean, this was the beginning of, like, even digital footage. You know, when, like, a video file was, like, 10 seconds and it was, like, 10 KB. And you're like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. It'd take up my whole hard drive, you know? <laughs> so, so through that, we brought all our fishing gear. And we meet Stoney Phillips and Steve McNutt. And we're in the parking lot. And they bring out a freaking rack of Keystone Ice. And they're like, what are you doing after this? We're like, oh, we're going to go fish. They're like, what? They're like, yeah, we're going bass fishing. We brought our gear. And they're like, what do you know about bass fishing? Like, we know that we like catching bass. They're like, dude, we got a couple sneak ponds. There's these freaking horse ponds at these farms where they come together. Anyways, these guys take us bass fishing. And from there, I realized the opportunity that I could take my surf and skate adventure, kind of explore art vibe, and find a way and incorporate fishing in it. 
Seriously? On this yeah. trip. On this trip. It just clicked. Yeah. You're it like... just clicked. Because in SEAL, with Troy and Lou and Matt, we'd fish off the pier at night. We'd sneak down to where the freaking boat that goes out to the oil rigs come, catch mackerel, sand bass, all this stuff. And we'd fish the jetties at night, fish halibut, spotted bay bass. So it was part of my DNA too. So that just all, it just all came together. And so after that trip is where like the fishing, psychotic fishing level just went up a notch because mm. I realized, dude, I'm going to start doing like fishing videos that are like skate videos and blah, 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 you know? So after all the 7-2 stuff went away through Michael Marks that opened that can of worms for me, he referred me to Jesse Fain, which, Jesse Fain. which got me in on the insight. Because I, what I didn't know at the time was all this stuff that I had been doing that was kind of off the radar yeah. was like my master's degree in marketing. Right? Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. Wow. Understanding how to so, penetrate things and how to tell stories and, you know. And it was so kind he, of a perfect match with insight coming from Australia. Totally. Which was already a little abstract and So different. what was the connection yeah. with Michael Marks and Jesse Fain? They no just, idea. They just had some. They, I, they just knew each other as an industry cohort, so I'm sure. We had Jesse on the show. Yeah, I remember. Like, you know, and like Jesse. He they, has an amazing story, too. Yeah, about he's like just amazing doors opening. human. Yeah, just so epic. So he put you... He Michael reached Marks out to put, me. Michael Marks got in touch with, like, Jesse was probably putting out the feelers to Industry Connects, and Michael Marks said, this is your guy. I beat, I ended up beating out Gary Siskar and Crano from 7-2 to get the job with Jesse. So those guys were in the mix. Yeah. To, to work with Insight. Yeah, I'm sure, and I'm sure there were people with way more accolades and experience within, the, like, the industry, like, administrative side of it, you know, like, the actually yeah. execution side of it, not the living part of it people that I just surpassed because of like Michael Marks gave me that and Jesse Fain believed in me after I met him he saw whatever he saw in me and was like okay you're the guy yeah and so then that was the next chapter of psycho campaigns psycho campaigns being a part of all that building a skate team for them so so when insight we're talking about insight yeah came up you were I was on the, the tail end of what I knew was going to be the end of my professional skateboarding career because of the art and the 7-2 vibe. I'd already been more interested in like trying to create a route of far more creative things than just riding my skateboard. So I wasn't filming as much. I wasn't out shooting as many ads or like caring about like anything other than doing what I wanted to do. And at the time, skateboarding was kind of falling down the path of uh, or down the priority list, you know? Yeah. So I knew like, okay, well I have to take this job. And you know, at the beginning it was very hard to understand that it was actually a Monday through Friday, nine to five. You know, it took like maybe <laughs> six months of me showing up whenever the fuck I wanted to realize like, oh shit. Jesse had a couple talks with me where he's like, bro, that's you, that's Seth Wilson. Like that's our guy from Australia. You you gotta be here at nine. Okay. So so when you guys first met, what 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 did he want you to do? What, marketing. Like it was a it was a it was a marketing manager. Okay. Right? So Australia is going to be generating the assets and they're going to be sent to you and you're going to be dealing with all the media and sometimes laying out ads, creating opportunities for us to get this, these visuals and these clothes out, just my network, you know, and Jesse is a network God and he had his talents and he was the face of the brand, you know, and like the, basically the, the president of the company, like the face of it. Yeah. And I was the guy behind the scenes like helping facilitate things that he needed done and that he created opportunities to exist as well. Yeah. Because Insight, when it first came out, it, it was like super 
edgy. Yeah, very avant-garde. Way ahead of its time. Super avant-garde, super hipster. Yeah. I mean... Why are you guys using such big words and stuff? That, right? that, that kind of ushered that style of... I, I hate to say it. Like, they kind of were the... Um, the first to market the hipster look. Am um, I right? 100%. I mean, we... And, it was so hard to get even certain skews into, like, places like Jack's or places because it was so fashion-forward. Yeah. I almost consider it as almost like the new grunge. Like, grunge was so, like, forward in yeah. the 90s, and it was, like, the kind of new, like, like you said, hipster. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you look back then, it was... It was know. the shorter shorts and, like... You know, like almost not feminine, but like grunge feminine. Totally looser. It wasn't, a fringe, it yeah. wasn't a fringe look. It became like really quick, like a mainstream look. Yeah. You know, it was embraced. Totally. Like yeah. at first, you're like, fuck that. What are these yeah. Because we can weird, like emu, like black. What? Because okay. now everybody want to look like that. When I. Exactly. All the brands that I've worked for, it was like, okay, wait, you know. You need to have a look for this brand, this fit for this country, this fit and this look for that country. And you never really saw outside the country influences. Yeah, no. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Insight and penetrated for sure. That That's when, oh shit, like, because back then it was Quicksilver, it was Billabong. Yeah. It was like... And that and that it, and that look was jockey. Totally, it started being a uniform it was jockey. Real, I always called it catalog, but it's just very catalog. Yeah, but if you look at the era and that time, technology and the way we were getting information way quicker, and the way stuff transmitted way quicker than versus just like a magazine and then occasional, you know, like things were all moving quickly. For it sure, it was just like great, great look, great trend, but in a time that. Things were moving a lot faster and were, you know, like we had a trends didn't last. We had a, bl a blog, you know, yeah. Yeah. I had to learn how to blog. <laughs> and blogs were what made you cool. Totally. Now, now you're vlogging. You know what if I mean? You, if you don't vlog, you're not cool. What? But like I ran the Insight USA at blogspot.com, you know, and like yeah. generated the content and, and curated all the things that were going to be featured on there. And uh, like, the skill set again that I just was getting my masters in, in marketing, just yeah. like being thrown into the fire and just figuring it out. You were the first to market in a different way. Oh yeah, I mean you, you, you never saw mean, ad campaigns like the like ad what? campaigns. I I when we had Jesse on, that was like the first thing I wanted to talk about. That was the genius of the Goros. <sighs> that like what you guys did, the visuals. I was I concept. just I was just lucky to be there, man. I mean, definitely through skate, a lot of my ideas were um, brought to life with Fraser Anderson and Ben Barreto and the guys that that really helped, and Jay Quirk, the guys that really helped drive the actual um, art direction behind it. But they definitely incorporate a lot of my ideas. But for, as far as the surf and all the other creative insight stuff that happened, I mean, I was just at the right place at the right time. Yeah. Man. That's it. And was yeah. just happy to be a part of it. And luckily, my look and my vibe fit that. And and I got to be a part of that. And it's, time, it is know? luck and it's timing, but it's also like everything that came up to that point. Totally. You know? So it's, totally. it, it, it's, you know, yeah, maybe another 20 or 10 or 50 or 100, however many people could have been in that position and probably done and made it cool. But 
everything you have done up yeah. to that point. I remember sitting with, with Jesse and George Goro, who's like the god of cool from Sydney, you know, like just a, a, a brand like freaking uh, god, literally just everything he touches turns to gold. Him kind of being shocked at what I was telling him, you know, like, oh, yeah, I was just in New York, I had a show in New York, and the year before that I had an art show in Paris, and was showing him articles and coverage of it. He was just like, what? Like, yeah. we didn't know American kids in this industry were even doing this. Yeah. You know? And, yeah. and like, I, I mean, no one did. Yeah. It's almost, See, by that, de- that's, almost by default, but at the same time, it's like... He's like looking for somebody that he feels valuable, that he's, you know what I mean? Like, what you were doing fits exactly what he wanted to do. With insight, exactly. And so that's and like, that, so it just carried on. Yeah. And Michael Marks, again, just teed that right up for God, Jesse Fain. Michael like, hey, Marks, I'm going to have to... Uh, Look that name up. He's no, a, he I know is a who genius, he is. He's bro. a spy guy, right? Yeah. The CEO. Or Probably CEO. now. I mean, he's the top of everything he ends yeah. up at. Like, this guy was writing manifestos for brands that were so highbrow and so high concept, so far beyond what the surf industry even needs yeah. to dictate what a brand does. He's just a, a highly intellectual human being that, like, the surf industry is lucky to have his intellect, to have, 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 have had influence on it. Yeah. So how long did Insight last for you? Insight, I think, was close to six years. Wow. Yeah. And Way so longer that was, than... That was through the birth of my daughter, my marriage. I mean, in, 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 like, three months, I married my wife. I had my daughter. My wife graduated from Cal State Long Beach. I moved into a family home in Long Beach. I mean, it was just like a huge period of my life where I like I grew a, up. Huh? I grew up and I had a full time job. With you found a home that yeah. wasn't, you know, you know, you, you saw longevity. Yeah, and, and for the first time, I was happy to be in a box. And you yeah. instead believe, of trying to play outside the box, I was in the box. But luckily, the company I was with was so far outside the box that, like, just by being with them, was being free. And they're Venice based, right? It was in Venice, yeah. yeah. So I was commuting from Long Beach to Venice. But they were already a successful brand out of Australia for twenty plus years. Yeah, they, they, they. <laughs> but not, the, not in apparel. No, no, but but just, Barton Lynch, you know, Seth Wilson. But just like a group of people with the money, name was the name, and yeah. you know, yeah. like it wasn't just a startup that came. It wasn't over. a startup. Exactly. It wasn't a startup that just came over, funded from some mega rich dude that had a connection to the factory. There was but a lot. Of, I'm gonna have to say. It was a complete startup. Oh, it came out of nowhere. As far as the US trying market. to be a brand in the U.S. Oh, yeah. There was literally myself, Jesse, and um, Vanessa Chu, who herself is an amazing human being. It was the three of us in the office in, in Venice for the first, I think, year and a half. The three of us, that, that was inside USA. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. We, you Jesse definitely told us about came those days. out and quickly became the it brand through marketing and 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 jesse's looks <laughs> he's so hot oh my gosh but you know the guys the guy's personality yeah. his i mean smile everything yeah. well it's funny how you know we talk about how small the world is you know jesse was on the show Rob. ty williams was on the show yeah and you know all those things you don't become successful so it you very rarely become successful because of one guy. Yeah, no, that, right? yeah. no, I'm nothing without any of these names. Yeah, and I'm still nothing. But I would have never experienced any of these psychotic things that like make my life story what it is without any of these humans. And like, like 
all everyone I'm mentioning is like literally those are the like highlights and I'm kind of just like a footnote that was there to like ride, you know? Yeah. And that's how I look at it. Yeah. I was just grateful to be there at the right place at the right time, you know? So six years with insight. Six years with insight. <clears throat> and then and then, you know, it went through being purchased through Black Box, Jamie Thomas, you know, and um Which could have been a good thing. It could have been a really good thing, you know, and like I love Jamie Thomas but he has a nickname, the Chief, right? And so I think that his personality and his uh, leadership skill set was probably different than what the brand needed based on what internationally was going on yeah. with the brand. And so there was whatever happened there, but I, I, he definitely wanted me to continue being a part of Insight and with an even bigger role, but he wanted my six-month plan of when I was going to be moving to Carlsbad. And so I said, you know, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. And then, like, within... Talking to the wife and then yeah. fit roots here. Yeah, and so within, like, 24 hours, I just called him and said, hey, man, like, I can't do it, dude. I just can't. I can't do it. So then I was on the Obama Surf Club, which was unemployment. <laughs> so that was, like, the early days of Obama Surf Club. That's what we called it, my buddy Jake and I. Because, like, after Insight, we were both on unemployment, and all we did was surf and fish. You know, Biden, you know, camp might just be coming around the corner too. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like yeah. at the time, like it was just like, okay, hey, we're unemployed. We're getting these benefits. Let's do what we love. And fishing took over. And fishing took over. And so that's how my, my business, Radio Silence Fishing, started was in that era. I started a website in 2008 called Radio Silence Fishing. And it was basically like, I don't know, not even a message board because it was, it was just a fishing blog. But there was nothing in the fishing world like that. It was what I took from Insight and just penetrated the fishing world and used another forum called Bloody Decks to showcase what I was doing and to draw attention to Radio Silence Fishing as its own standalone brand. And then through that, frick, dude, I got to travel as a filmer for the TV show Inside Sport Fishing on Fox Sports West for five years. What? So I traveled the world fishing and filming TV shows with, uh, yeah, with... Michael Folks and his wife Kim did the Great Barrier Reef, like did Louisiana, did, um, did you, Australia. Yeah. And you didn't set this up to be like, oh, I'm going to penetrate and get this killer job through Fox Sports. No, You're like, no. I, you guys know Shay McEntee? Yeah. Yeah. So Shay McEntee was working as a camera guy for Michael Folks and obviously saw what I was doing with Radio Silence Fishing. I was making these fishing edits that were like, Basically, like skate videos, punk music, fishing. People were just tripping. Like, what is you, this? You put your heart and soul and spin in into to, fishing. Into that fishing. was my new deal. I knew when I went on that trip across the country, across the nation, that like this is what fishing. Is, this this will be at some point. But that was like years later. Years later, but I knew right then that that was going to be a part subculture of the culture and fishing. Totally, that is like deep rooted and local, but yet cool. It's very. It's in, that's the thing because it went hand in hand with surfing and skating and yeah. seal and guys that have traveled the world to exotic places you know how many fishermen surf yeah i mean i mean surfers fish for sure you know and so like it all made sense to me then so shay introduced me to michael folks and created that opportunity so shay mcintyre i owe him too because yeah. he brought me to michael folks and michael was like dude i dig your whole deal join the crew yeah and so we just travel the world alaska twice like i mean like just psychotic global global fishing destinations two weeks on the great barrier reef and Michael couldn't go, so I just brought my buddy Randy. Yeah. <laughs> but this goes back to like how we were talking earlier and how, you know, most sports or industries are so in their lane. Yeah. You know? 
and it's just watered down and it works because it appeals to that customer. But when you bring in an outsider yep. that has a, a perspective, a different perspective, yeah. but is also, you know, passionate, like, why are you guys just doing this? Like, let's do it, make it make more fun and yeah. bring some more energy and stuff. And like, that's what it, that's, what a, that's all it was is I was that wow. I was getting to play that character for whatever I was getting involved in somehow, some way. It's like the first time you hear like an Iggy pop song in a Cadillac commercial, you're like, somebody cool did that yeah yeah you know so, like someone surfs and skates or is a punker and like penetrated the advertising world and now there's yeah, a, spike lee was he yeah. made a career off per- of that perfect you know? perfect example sure. right there yeah. so i mean like i just had my own little version of it my own little minute you know vein of that existence and so i, I, I traveled Lee. i traveled through fishing and and made that tv show and so i learned how television production was done in 22 minutes of you know content is what you do. Did they lay out a, like an outline like okay like you, you yep. know, here's your here's your here's, here's we your got commer- second intro. Yeah, we got commercials here we need the opener, we need the end, like here's right. your, your your body like yep. you got the total, whole total tutorial. production TV TV commercial production. Here it is. Here's your 60 second intro. Here, here's your commercial break. He just went back to college and got his masters. But yeah. you know what I mean? That's <laughs> that's what it was, you know, it's 22 minutes of content broken up by these six commercial breaks. Dang. And so I learned that formula. And then, but got to flex creative skills on going like, cool, dude, I'm editing episodes of television, which now just recently became available on Amazon Prime. Every episode of Inside Sport Fishing just became available because Michael, the guy that does it, just hit me up and was like, hey, we need thumbnails for all these things. Do you get royalties? I didn't do any of that. Yeah. None of that. I just took the experience and was like, sick, this is priceless. You know? Yeah. Yeah. He did talk to me about like, hey, I'm happy to pay for the, any of the still imagery that we use on any of this stuff. And I'm just like, oh, no, don't worry about it, man. I don't need anything. Yeah. Like, I don't need so anything. So at this point, you got a wife and a kid. You said you moved into kind of like a suburbia, like normal life, the yeah. house. Well, I was back in North debt. Long Beach, dude. Out of debt. I was back in North Long Beach in Bixby Knowles where I grew up. And you got a house? Yep. Bought? No, we were in no. a family home, but I was on the title with my mom and my dad. Nice. My mom and my stepdad at the time, and there was definitely financial gain through that with our arrangement there. Yeah. Um, but eventually, um, you know, the fishing thing became what was next. And so while I was on the Obama Surf Club and traveling fishing, um, a good friend of mine, Joey Pulsifer, was running Riviera Skateboards, which was a street skater that had penetrated the longboard and downhill mm-hmm. scene. And so he brought me in as the marketing director which over there. Which was taken off. It was just amazing. And you yeah. know, like most street skating had no idea. Yeah. I got to exist in this other little world that to me, no matter what, it's all surfing and skating. Like I don't care if you're a longboarder or an air guy or a classic style guy. I don't care if you push Mongo. I don't care if you're on a longboard, a downhill, or a freestyle board. We share something in common if you're on a skateboard. Maybe, maybe not a lot, but you chose to ride a skateboard. I so. say the same thing about surfing. I'm like, yeah. you, that guy who sucks, who's on a longboard or whatever, his <coughs> best wave and what he's feeling and, and, and is equal even though, to what we do. Is equal to what I do. You know, whatever. It's yeah. it's all relative. Yeah. And, and that's a good perspective to have because and, and dude and who was I to ever say because I would always like I said I always kind of was like this outsider so I kind of dug the fact that like I got to exist in this world and I got to understand a part of skateboarding that like street skaters were way too cool to experience yeah. that shit's whack yeah. you know that is like what why are you guys doing that even some of my closest friends were like what and I was just like eating it up 
Yeah. This is surfing and skating mixed in a brand where I can do things and tell stories in a way that I've never got to do and learn new skill sets. And so that's how Riviera happened. You know, and through that, I was still what running. What was your role like? So, were you eventually, a partner? Were you, no, no, eventually just, I just became like the brand director of Riviera Skateboards. But we had, it was a distribution house. We had Riviera Skateboards, Divine Wheels, Paris Trucks. Paris Trucks is still one of the leading truck brands in the in, downhill, in the downhill yeah. and the longboard world, you know. And Joey Pulsifer is still uh, an owner in that. So, which is the next thing after that is you know all all while i was doing that because i grew up skating with joey and he was part of the whole new horizon video that that we had those roots he understood the kind of person that i was and even while i was working at riviera i'd be like hey i have this opportunity to go to the great barrier reef and film for two weeks for this tv show you're like sick bro you got to do that we got you cool so i was like you know because of joey I got to have like the best of both worlds. I got my cake. I got to eat it too. And then I even had seconds, you know, Yeah. because of people, you know, really epic human beings that gave me opportunities. And so during all that, I was getting my captain's license, fishing with guys like Ben Knight and Travis Potter, guys that I grew up. Flying squirrel. Yeah, guys. Ben Knight's flying squirrel. Yeah. Guys that I grew up surfing with in SEAL that were younger than me though that were already in the mix of commercial fishing and, and bongo sport fishing here. I earned my stripes and got my captain's license. What, what, what entails getting a captain's license? Like, so I mean, you do a pretty intensive course, yep. you know, on like basically rules of the road, navigation. Like getting your driver's license, but a little bit more intricate. With, yeah, it would be like if you were going to you know? go get your commercial trucking license, yep. you know, and probably a lot harder than that because you see truckers and you're like, yeah, that can't be that hard. Yeah. But, you know, there's some fishermen too where you're like, damn, that fool pulled that off? I got this, you know? Yeah. So it's definitely difficult. What, what it is, what the most valuable thing is your time. You know, we say time on the water turns on the prop. Yeah. It goes back to earning your stripes, you know? Like you have to have the hours accrued and experience of running these boats. You can't just hop in some boat and have people's lives in your trust and, you know, yeah. command and take them out. It's almost fishing. being like a pilot. It's, it's what it is. You know, yeah. like if I showed you my captain's license, it looks like a passport. It gets me into any, you know, port around the country the same as like a passport. So I'm proud of it. It's really not like yeah, the right. biggest thing. And I'm, I don't have like a hundred ton license or anything like that. I'm not some big tugboat commercial guy, but I have, you know, so I have you, my captain's license. You got your captain's license to mm-hmm. run commercial fishing? Yeah. Okay. And then so after Riviera. Sorry to interrupt, but yep. you said a hundred tons. So there's different yeah, levels. There's, yeah, there's different levels. It's like... A guy that can fly a Cessna, a private little two-seater, can't just hop in a commercial Delta 737 and go fly. Yeah. There's definitely different levels, you know? Okay. So, like, I'm definitely at the lower level at a 50-ton license, but I can run a 100-foot boat. I have experience in running a 100-foot boat from here to Mag Bay and back, you know? Like, no worries. So, but all the while I was at Riviera and doing that whole thing, I was earning those hours and then eventually... Riviera sold the partnership through all those businesses broke up and um, basically I was just like left to try and make fishing work as a career and so I started Radio Silence Fishing as a commercial charter business built around saltwater bass fishing and just took what I that skate adventure mode where it's it's definitely the fishing is part of it and the technical side of fishing and this lure selection I, I really in my business I only fish lures artificial lures you know it's about like the game of chess against nature but um, it's more about the adventure. And to me, it's more like an eco-tour thing. Like, obviously, it's about fishing. But yeah. I'm more psyched it's to a, show it's people. It's a day out. 
in nature and, and yeah. getting bit and catching fish is like a bonus but it also brought me those years of doing that growing up fishing and being on boats has given me the gateway to incredible waves at, yeah. at undisclosed locations not far from our <laughs> coastline you know places that i think i know that you've been before that maybe taylor oh, um, been a yeah, lot of places yeah. yeah so taylor's probably taking you or whoever's taking you locally you know maybe joy yeah. marshall or um uh, Wick, uh, rick weisinger okay so and, yeah yeah so he's yeah. from seal right yeah he's got his son kurt right yeah, yeah so those guys, those guys know what's up yeah. um and so even before i was seeing those guys there were guys you know like ben and and taylor and the seal beach crew have been a getting it for a long time yeah. and so luckily through them i've i've got a little bit of a, a window into that so hush, hush. yeah so i mean you know there's yeah. so radio so, silence fishing mm-hmm. is it's still currently part of my part of my life i probably fish i definitely fish over 100 days a year the most years most days of the year i put on is put 249 days on the water um this this will be its fifth year in business and i've definitely just called it down to regular clients and i'm not looking for any new business not even just because of like a pandemic or anything i just have my group of clients that help pay for the business keep the boat running feed like my addiction to fish and really at some point i will do what i can to make radio silence fishing more of a brand like like product side yeah and like i've had shirts and things like that but like salty crew like you know those guys came in like the guys that own globe the brothers like i partied with them when they were the stucy distributors in australia they came and and saw me at a fishing trade show not 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 long ago curious about radio silence fishing and what it was and yeah we just what? had the, we just interviewed those guys yesterday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jared Lane. Jared Lane. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Tom. So yeah. So Tom. Uh, Tom Reese. Yeah. 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 So those guys know where Radio Silence Fishing comes yeah. from, you know, and and, and Jared's. No, I, legit. you know, I follow your your all. I'm pretty sure I follow all your Instagram. That's a tough thing to do, but yeah. No, I hope so. But That's cool. I know that in um, the past couple of years, Radio Silence was like you were. You yeah. know, hustling. Yeah, and that was my job. That was my that was my job. Is like I'm a commercial guide, basically an outfitter, and like come and fish calico bass with me. I want to make this a global bucket list species that guys from around the world that like fishing lures will come and fish calico bass. I'm the premier guy in this zone. Yeah, to do it. That was my vibe. Yeah, and so now I'm more like, fuck! I really burned the candle at both ends. On yeah, that. yeah. And the ocean is a very taxing environment, especially in a small boat. And doing what I do, which is mostly island runs. Yeah. So now, come you know, just at the beginning of this last of 2020, the same guy, Joey Pulsifer, who was at Riviera, who I grew up skating with, approached me for Ace Trucks, and said, "Hey, look, we really need your talents at Ace. Just need you to help with social media this year, and kind of just help with digital assets, and kind of help us." Gain a bigger back and skate, dude. Yeah, Are you fucking kidding me. Exactly. Can't just get away from this. Who's kidding you? Yeah, just when I <laughs> they thought pull them back in. Yeah, just they when I thought out. I didn't have to deal with skateboarders, fucking. Hey, what like, does a forty-seven-year-old have to do with skating anymore? Oh, he's yeah. only forty-three, bro. I said something. Forty-something. <laughs> yeah. So Not, I don't even. Want, don't even. You don't even want me to throw your. Don't age, even. Yeah. So so yeah, Joey Pulsifer hit me up last year, and it was. I had told him, you know, we just had conversations about like, I'm pretty burnt, dude. At the time I was, oh, so I, I'm also a staff photographer for a fishing magazine called The Bite that a guy. <laughs> of course you are. Yeah. That a guy, Brandon <laughs> Hayward well, runs. 
Let's just throw it all out there. You, you, you were doing New Balance. I had that contract last year. Yeah. Yeah, that was 2019. I had a contract as a uh, consultant for New Balance, and that was to help them try to start something in the surf world called All Coasts, New Balance All Coasts. And so Seb Palmer, Sebastian Palmer, the GM of New Balance Numeric, which is the skate portion of New Balance here in Long Beach, approached Chad Tim Tim and said, hey, do you know anyone in surf? And Seb knew me in skate, but he's like, yeah, Justin surfs, blah, blah, blah. Bottom line is Seb created an opportunity opportunity for me to be a part of New Balance and help them open a door in surfing. But unfortunately, with the way those types of big companies run, it's like the second he hired me, the budget for that project just got swallowed and taken away. So I don't want to say it was free money, but I like had to just show up at an office in Long Beach with my homies one day, one Monday a week for a year for X amount of dollars, and like do rad events and 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 help them explore the avenue of surf and really show them the light of a way that they could be involved. Yeah, yeah. But they weren't ready to pull the trigger, especially financially. Yeah, it's a big investment. Yeah. You know, you got to do it right. So you got one. You, you got you one get one chance, dude. Yeah. I'm tired of big brands trying to culture vulture. Yeah. And our so, industries and. And Agreed. fuck them. Agreed. Yeah. And, and Agreed. it's true because, you know, like you mentioned, like surfers a few years ago were making a ton of money. It wasn't from surf brands. Yeah, I know. It was from corporate brands that yeah. came in to surf and poached. And, and, skating, of, was, you know, and skating was and the same, same way. Thing, and skate yeah. and snowboard and yeah. everything. And, um, I, you know, I really hope, you know, all these sports have kind of turned the corner. Totally. And will reject a little bit of that corporate greed and that that corporate influence that and, the, and, the, and the money that business structure. Yeah. And, and bring, bring up, you know, within, yeah. you know, what's cool is I was going to say that because it got, the monster got so big, it has given room for these smaller brands to really come back up yeah. and grab a hold of the industry again and say like, no, this is what skateboarding and, is. And so yeah. many retailers got so burned, you know, they made yeah. money for a few years and they, they got the chair and they ate it. Ah, and then they just got freaking. You're, yeah. you're nothing to us. You don't, you know, you're more of a headache than make money. We, we, you know, it just became a, a problem yeah. for all the and retailers. And you, like, you know I the have, internal I, side of that. You there's, know? there's shoe brands that put some retailers oh, yeah. out, out of business, business and Correct. some almost out of business yeah. because of Speci- yeah. one specific shoe brand very specifically. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I understand and, that, you know, and, and that's a bummer to see in here because I mean, that's our livelihood and yeah, you know, these are, we, we're, we welcome anybody who wants to contribute, but do it right and you're in it for a long haul like yeah you're in it for the right reasons and that's to like prosper yeah. longevity yeah because, and, and and like you yeah. said participate in the culture yeah. feed yeah. the culture yeah. make it rich don't take from it yeah don't make don't gain riches off the culture make the culture rich yeah you know and don't overgrow it so that i can't catch a wave anywhere on pch yeah. you know yeah well, COVID did that. Well, but you know what I mean? <laughs> well, yeah, there's another corporate yeah. read. You know? So, so, you know, so I mean, so yeah, but Sebastian Palmer, again, he saw it because he's a core skateboarder and he hand selected me through Chad of like, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. We're going to do it with someone that knows what's up. Yeah. That can lend us some like real, true, authentic experience yeah. and not let us cook it. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what's rad about your story is like you, you, you do what you do and people recognize it and that's how you've landed in these amazing you know and you know it's crazy is like situations where for sure and you know to me it's like 
Nobody knows who the fuck. No one does, and I don't which care. Is, you know, almost, I don't care. I don't want that. The key people do. No, but which almost, I want to say, benefits you. You know, totally. because yeah. sometimes people want that like acceptance yeah. and notoriety and that fame or whatever. Yeah. But if you could fly under the radar because, yeah, whatever reason, you're, but you're passionate. You're you're bringing something different and unique. That isn't cookie cutter. That isn't part of you know so, yeah. what they're looking and for. And I'm not the guy that helped build brand X. Yeah, and then went to this other brand and oh, built and there's brand plenty X. of those guys in our industry. Yeah, you know, and so, so yeah, guy, go back at, go back to Radio Sounds Fishing, right? Yeah, you you still do that. I still do that, and and, and that's just mostly it's just it's mean, just handpicked clients now that are regulars yep. that basically help cover an annual overhead. You know, to run the business, pay taxes, run registration on a commercial fishing vessel, you know, do all the maintenance. Helps you keep fishing. Yeah, that's what I mean. It feeds the addiction, you know, and it keeps me passionate where like I was, you know, I have a curse where I make everything I love into my job. And that's just my nature. Yeah. Everything I love becomes my work because I love it so much. Right. And so fishing became that a lot quicker than a lot of the other things, you know. Um, So I dialed that back in a way where like, you know, I was working, like I said, I'm a staff photographer for the Bite magazine, which is actually was originally published by Surfer's Journal. It looks like a Surfer's wow. Journal, but it's in the fishing world. And that's the genius of Brandon Hayward and Scott Hewlett from Surfer's Journal, who wow. was the, the editor over there for 17 years, I believe. Um, but running charters for Brandon's business, working with Ben and Travis at Bongo's, running Radio Silence Fishing, doing the fishing hustle to make the financial things yeah. work. And Did, didn't you start a fishing company too? I do. I have a fishing rod company. What's it called? Ritual Angling. Ritual Angling. That's another thing that we started several years ago. And it's currently in the middle of a reorganization because COVID and manufacturing actually was a, a absolute cluster, you know? And so that's in the middle of a reorg. But yeah, we still have a brand. My, my friend, Justin Hugron. Yeah. And Randy Spicer and I. Hugie. Yeah. And an amazing, another amazing human, Brad Vassar, who... No one knows that name in this industry, but he's the fucking man. Brad Vassar is the man. He was the COO of Southern Wine and Spirits for, oh, for 20 plus years and was my neighbor in Newport. And, and he helped me start Radio Silence Fishing. I could never have started that or have the boat that I have if it wasn't for Brad Vassar. So that's another thing that I have to say is that like just another human being that like I feel like is me in 30 years. If, if I was him, I'd be doing the same thing for the guy my age that he yeah. did for me, you know? Paying it forward. Yeah. Paying it forward, man. Yeah. He's, he's that amazing human being, and he's, a, he's one of the partners in I Ritual, too. I think one too. of our good friends works for, for them now. For Larry? Scott? Brian Rogers. Oh. Yeah, he would know. I mean, yeah. Vassar's name in the alcohol world is like... What's his name? Scott Vassar? No, Brad Vassar. Brad Vassar. Brad Vassar. But there's a guy, Scott Malawi. Malari, I think that worked for them forever. That would trade wine and things with Strato and the and the surf industry has people at Ruko, I'm sure, yeah. like that want the like high end vodkas and stuff. For them, or maybe. But you know those guys, yeah. like those guys would look at Brad Vash and be like, "Yeah, that's the guy. That's the man." Yeah, and he just recently retired, you know, and so like now he who knows yeah. what world <clears throat> will open up for him, and yeah, you know, so. But yeah, so he he created so, that so opportunity. ritual angling. Mm-hmm. Radio silence. Fishing. Radio silence. Yeah. Ace trucks. Mm-hmm. That's my current resume. You're so blowing it because right now what's trending is weed, seltzer, and um. I know. I know. You know. Like, I'm looking you're, for. You're so not. If, if you guys want to sponsor me, you've been on so on trend forever. But like, come you know, on. You know what's crazy is like I trip on the culture that weed culture now coming from where I was to what it is now. I'm just like. 
holy smokes, literally like it's bizarre. It's like a whole different world. And yeah. it's, I'm, it's so foreign to me. I haven't smoked herb in over 15 years. When I first had my daughter, I quit drinking for five years. Jesse got me back into it at Insight. Literally for the five years, I, I first five years I worked there, I didn't drink. And I was like, Jesse, you know what? While we're at work, like five years in, I'm like, if you go and buy a bottle of Jameson right now, I will come back into the drinking world. He left his office, walked down to a liquor store, and got a bottle of Jameson. And, and now everyone he doesn't at, drink. <laughs> yeah, and everyone at Insight got hammered that day. And now he doesn't drink. On the job. Yeah, thanks, Jess. Yeah. Yeah. And so and I haven't had a drink, you know, now in just a little over a year. But, like, it's just... It's one of those things I do where I'm like, okay, I'm going to have some physical challenge or some mental cool. challenge. Yeah. It's kind of rad. I can't do it. It's kind of like Lennon on his exercise. He's always into like, you know, Palm yoga. Beach, Miami, whatever, yoga, P96X or I don't <laughs> you know. know you, go, you go through the waves. And, and so through, through Ace Trucks and the opportunity that Joey Pulsiver gave me to be a part of this. And I just recently actually just January 4th, Monday, last Monday, right? This last Monday, however many days ago that was, two days ago or something, was my first day official as like full-time employee of Mesa Distribution, which runs Ace Trucks here and we're in Huntington. And so now I'm back in a full-time position in skateboarding, but they afford me the freedom too because Joey knows what I was going through at Riviera. And he's like, yeah, dude, if you have a, a trip with a client on Wednesday and you can't make a meeting, like you don't gotta be weird about it. Just be like, yeah, I have a trip. Like, I'll catch up with you guys the next day. Yeah. So I just, you know, I, again, I have to say thanks to hey, all these the people. Sw- the swell is pumping. I, know, I got a fish. I got a fishing trip. Hey. I got to go on. Hey, but <laughs> you want to know what's crazy? <laughs> I'll be your client. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jay Lars, check it. Dude, I know, like, I've been surfing. <laughs> I've been surfing a specific left close to home here, right, recently. And, dude, I, one of the founders of, of Aces in town right now, Shrugi, OG, epic, amazing skateboard industry guy, Steve Rugi. Um, he's in town right now. And so I'm like just around and working with him while he's here in town. He's, he lives up in San Francisco and he's obviously one of the founders. So it's critical that we're here together, especially at the beginning of the year in a full-time role. But the cam this morning at the left, I was just, really? I was shattered. <laughs> I was shattered. I didn't get surfed today either. Yeah, so. I was shattered. I was on a good Fog one. bank in, man. Yeah. I, was, I looked at it early. I'm like, I can't even see him. Dude, done. look a little so further can... south. The sun was out and it was cracking. Yeah. Just uh, the first, one of those first rock piles above that specific pier down here. Yeah. That yeah. left right there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's yeah. wrap it up. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a wrap. Bro, I'm so sorry. Dude, it took that long. Sorry. So amazing. Lyndon's just starving. I'm getting hungry. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> I, I, I came here on a banana. <laughs> Bro. Justin Reynolds. I can't even go through all the like, I didn't even write down notes because I should have, but Lyndon's got a photographic memory. No, I don't have spit, a photograph. Memory. Spit it out. I can't believe that the journey it's this long yeah. to get you on That's the show. And it took long to get this long to get the story out. I'm no. sorry. No, no. This is, I mean, bro, the, the, you are one of the most interesting characters we've had on the show. That's you awesome. Know? That's right. awesome in the sense You're the that, first you know, pro it's funny. skateboarder we've ever had on the show, which is I'm grateful for rad. that. Yeah, yeah, I'm very grateful for that. You know, like I... And it's funny, you know, we, we're so entwined with uh, all our friends and acquaintances that, that you've, you know. Yeah, and we didn't even talk or, about partying, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. there's probably infinite connections there, which is horrifying, you know? <laughs> so on the work tip, it, you know, yeah. like. Well, what's funny is, now that you bring it up, you met your wife at Tsunami. You met I met your my wife. wife at Tsunami. And they know each other from that era. Yeah. Yeah. 
And yeah. we are lucky. And this fool probably party there more than any of us. Oh. I party there a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I miss, Everywhere I miss a that bit. place. What a, what a great place. But I, I, we love authentic, genuine hustlers yeah. that are true to the game of life yeah. in skateboarding, surfing first and foremost, but mm-hmm. skateboarding too. You know, like... This is this has been super interesting. Uh, it's going to be super, interesting to everybody. Very interesting, but I want to elaborate on what you just said. Is I think people get stuck in their lane and they don't take risks. And sometimes those risks, which sometimes are failures or whatever, it opens up doors. It opens up opportunity. So you know the one thing you could take take from your like story, story. is. You know, go with your passion and, you know, don't worry about being cool or staying in your lane or whatever. And when you're young, you're so you're you're like a thoroughbred. You got the freaking visors on and you're just running straight. Very few can open that up at an early age. And, and you kind of did that and yeah. it really opened up opportunities. Yeah. But being a hustler, being a hard worker, being cool. Yeah. You know, generally, well, generally not trying, but just generally but, but, trying to be a cool human being. But, you know? what, what, not being, you're not, you weren't. I want to be the rich and famous guy. No, yeah. you're like, how do I keep this party yeah. going? Yeah. How do I keep this quote unquote think, lifestyle? Think, you know, all of our quote, lives, all of our lives are, we're we're parties still going. Oh, for sure. His <laughs> quote, the most important quote that I want people to walk away from. All right, let's is, write, it down. write it down, people. You ready? Yeah, write it down. It wasn't my skill. It was my will. And it's the truth. Yeah. I mean, truth. come on. Yeah. Was it? It's the truth. My, my skill, skill. It was my will. It was and that is such will. a powerful statement and yeah. mantra, you know? Because you, if you don't fucking, if you don't have the will, yeah. you're not going to do shit. No. But you can have the skill, but you don't have the attitude, but, but you have the will. But it's it's not just will, it's it's passion. Because you can have the will to be like rich and you can burn a lot of bridges and you can be a dick and you could be this, but you're you know, you have an end goal. So that end goal versus the end goal of going through passion and roots and, and, and being in the right spot at the right time is because of being cool and opening those doors. So yeah. there's definitely different angles. To succeed, but we you, like your you just, angle. You just shit on my quote. I know, I know, I did. <laughs> well, you know, what? I didn't really shit on it though. I no, was like, really. It's, it's the other side of it, you know. It's yeah. his quote. Yeah. You just shit on his. <laughs> Not quote. even close. No, but seriously, I, I complimented. I, I, you know, the again, like, I'm nothing without the people who gave me the opportunities. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who's ever helped me out in my lifetime, ever believed in me, ever supported me, even if I didn't know it at the time or even don't even know it now and dude like even you guys thank you for giving me the opportunity to even tell my story because like who fucking cares we do but okay but you do now and maybe you did before because we knew each other but i just mean just thank you for letting me share my story hey the fact that you made a freaking soundtrack for us and dude thank you for the music yeah thank you for helping me with uh when i did hex and you made that video for us that was freaking amazing um dude your your story is so rich in not just like uh, I don't know it's it's you've got so many facets that that have happened in your life with people that we know yeah. and brands that we know 
The guy broke his femur. He broke his yeah. femur. Yeah. This guy. Yeah. You know, but the he, fact you know, that he can walk right now. I know. He didn't even have a limp or a cane. Yeah. The, the, the brands that he worked with are like some of the brands that like will go down in history. Is, is, uh, even shaped the way things are seen now or showcased yes. now or marketed now. Yeah. You know? yeah. And that's, you know. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I was just happy to be there for the ride, you know? And and anyone that wants to give me credit for anything outside of that, like, I'm very humbly accepting that. But, like, man, I'm just grateful for the ride. Yeah. Well, we're so, going to fact check some of this. Yeah. Stuff, you know? Please no, do. I'm just kidding. Please do. <laughs> Jay Lord. Yeah. Jay Bass. Jay Lord. He, he has That's two. That's the best. Though. I know. Jay Lord. Just like We're going to end it with Jay Lord. We're going to go with the, the Jay's something. Yeah, but Jay Lord. That trumps... Hey, All names. You guys had the little Filipino connection. We have the J. connection, bro. We're tried. <laughs> but, dude, thank you so much for sharing thank your you uh, amazing story with us. This has been so amazing. Thank I you. I can't guys. believe that uh, it took us forever to get you on the show. Forever. Yeah, no, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Yeah. yeah. But, no, seriously, thanks for believing in us and creating some content oh, and yeah. music. And... Thanks for the last three yeah. hours of your lives. I'll never <laughs> yeah. get back. Our family hate us, but yeah. no, it's all good. You know? Ace kidding. Trucks. Radio Silence Fishing. Radio Silence. Ritual Angling. Ritual Angling. Yeah. Wow. I'm sure I'll walk all away, the, I'll walk away and go like, gosh dang it, I forgot about this, but probably not. Yeah. No. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. All right. Peace. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.